bollockers, it is I, it is Howard Smith, I am back for yet another Talking Bollocks, where I will be Talking Bollocks. Hello, hello there, hello, have you missed me? Have you missed me, have you? Oh, cause you have, cause you have, haven't you? You've missed me. Yes, I am back for another session of Loads of Bollocks, so let's do it. I am Howard H. Smith, lead singer of Acid Rain, a UK thrash band about to sign a record deal again and put out a new album yeah there is a perspective release date but i cannot tell you when but it is definitely in 2019 and it's not in december and it's not in november apart from then i can't tell you when it is so there you go i've narrowed it down well not to 10 other months because we're all right okay fuck it i can't tell you when it is but i will when i can i also do stand-up comedy as keith platt go to keithplatt.co.uk does anybody go to websites anymore and go to acidrain.co.uk really why would you website on social media and there's also of course there's Talking Bollocks Talking Bollocks which is at Talking Bollocks on Twitter and somebody private messaged me on Instagram this week to say I'd like to follow you on Twitter can you tell me what um, how to find you on Twitter and um, I thought well you know you should fucking know really I mention it enough and you know what I gave him the handle and he messaged me back and said oh I'm actually, uh, I'm actually already, already following you. What a twat I am! So uh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- th- this this shit does actually happen. Um, I suppose, really, I should say who that is. So that was um, Mr. Robinson two two six. You fucking cunt. <laughs> yeah, there's not been a really well. So here I am, your favourite lovable cunt, and it is um, talking cunting bollocks. We haven't, I haven't had enough cunts. In the fucking podcast for a while. Well, apart from this one right here, every single time. Know what I mean, kids? Anyway, first up, what is the news from the world of Howard? I'll go on to the world of metal. The world of Howard is record deal. Already mentioned that. Tell you what else. Tell you what else. Oh, fuck me. I realised, well, I've been trying to listen to uh, mixes of the new Acid Rain album and um, I was having to punch my amp on my stereo. I have separates, old hi-fi idea. You know, it's very old school. Um, Sony turntable, Technics graphic, Technics, remember them. Technics CD player, hey, Technics, remember them. And I had a Technics amp and I realised that I bought that setup when I was still a teenager. It served me over 30 years. And, and I thought, I've got to stop punching this amp. A, I feel a bit bad, which is stupid. It's an inanimate object, you fuckwit Howard. But B, I need to sort my life out. So I found the one I wanted. Sony went down to the good people of Richer Sounds. Love those people. Always get my bits of hi-fi from Richer Sounds. Um, and um, I picked up a Sony amp. And the one thing that did it for me, that really did it for me, is... Now, this might be like, you know, you you... Complete tech nerds out there might just go, yeah, and, obviously. But for me, first amp purchase in over 30 years, what really sealed the deal? The motherfucker is Bluetooth enabled. (laughs) Have I been having some fun? My fucking laptop now goes through my stereo. My phone goes through my fucking setup. But not only that, not only that, but I realised the other day that if I turn my Bluetooth on on my phone... And select the amp on my uh, on my phone. It turns the amp on from out of nowhere. It just comes on. I mean, I know I'm sounding like I'm about eighty right now, and I look. I am aware of Bluetooth technology. It's just having it integrated into that amp is just 
so fucking cool. It's untrue. You, look, you're getting my enthusiasm, right? Yeah, it's a big deal for me, okay? Be happy for me. Come on, be happy for me. This is all about me. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, thank you to Chris Toomey. Top bollocker, top man. Sent me, posted me a ticket to Bill Burr at the um, uh, Royal Albert Hall because he wasn't able to go. What? How awesome was that? Until the day of the gig when I got a cancellation... <laughs> Of a sh- I got a cancellation show, and it turned out I couldn't go either. But thanks for the, cri- the, 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 the ticket, Chris. I've still got it. I'm going to put it on my ticket wall anyway. Um, but thank you very much. Really, really appreciate it. So, away from the world of Howard, let's go to the world of metal. What's been happening in the last month? Well, I'll tell you what's been happening. Sebastian Bach, he formerly of Skid Row, and he who forms part of a long-standing bet that I have with Godless... Um, this this was on this was in Blabbermouth. Seb back finds piece of Kiss merchandise that he thought he'd lost, and literally a picture of him outside his fucking garage. Right now, let's. I, I'm not going to go off on a Kiss rant, okay? I've done enough piece of merch, Pantera, whatever. Is this an idea for the possibly the worst? heavy metal rock reality show ever do we do we basically go and find old ro- old and aging rock stars and basically say right you know what what did you think you'd lost or do we just get them to rummage around? i mean the older the rock star i know where i'm going here but you know it's going to be like well you know gene simmons what have you lost apart from your sense of perspective um i mean just going around rock stars houses seeing what's missing you know <laughs> I, could just, <laughs> I, could, I could just see it yeah Let's go round. Uh, let's go round to Ted Nugent's house. Ted, what have you lost? Oh, your sanity. Clearly, who else should we go? Who else should we go and visit? Oh, hello, it's Lars Ulrich. What have you lost? Your ability to rehearse or play the drums, if you ever had it. You did have it. We know you did. We heard you. We saw you. Learn to do it again, you lazy bastard. There's all sorts of people that we could go around and visit. We could go around and visit baby metal. Probably not a good idea. Man of my age turning up and uh, have to go around the parents' house, wouldn't we? Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, I could go on all day for this. The, po- the point I'm making is, really? Really? Is this what we've come to now? Is this what, is this what fucking counts as news where, I mean, we're just, we're just turning into mainstream bullshit fucking media in the world of metal, and I find it a bit annoying. Anyway, moving on, more positive. Dragon Force, through the fire and flames, recently passed 100 million views on YouTube, and I'm going to say, quite rightly, if you are not... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. Fuck it. Um, if you are not one of the 100 million who has already seen on YouTube... Through the Fire and Flames by Dragon Force. You have to do it. Please do it. It is fucking awesome. It really is. It's absolutely superb. Um I mean I'm not I'm I'm not particularly a Dragon Force fan. I'm I'm you know, I'm not I'm not for, I'm not a gin. I am just an observer of the Dragon Force. Um and and one of them saw us do a gig at the dev one time. But there you go. Anyway. Um yeah, uh, check it out. It's worth it's a that is a hell of a fucking milestone. Any metal band getting a hundred million views on YouTube has to be saluted. Dragon Force, I salute you. Um, oh, also the BBC were were uh, were, were um, p- 
peddling that same news story that everybody else was about death metal. It turns out that people who like death metal don't actually want to kill people and don't at any point actually want to enact any of the lyrics. What a fucking surprise. I mean, you know, BBC in Music Makes People Happy Shocker. I don't know. We are so misunderstood as metalers. We really are. I mean... I get it, because from the outside looking in, you know, you look at stuff like Cannibal Corpse and, you know, you, you just the, the whole death metal thing. And then the church burnings and shit like that. OK, fine. You know, I, but that's not all of us. But we get tarred with that brush. And I, I do realise what it must look like if you are not au fait with the world of metal at all. If you're completely from outside of it. At times, it must look pretty fucking, you know, mad. Because we all look at it and th- sometimes think like, okay, there is shit there. I mean, nature core. Hey, there's an old, there is an old school talking bollocks reference right there. For those of you who've been here from, from back in the day, from day one, nature core. That's right. It's a thing. Oh, it's a fucking thing. All right. I'm going to go off it on nature core again. But seriously, nature core, you know, it's all songs about the woods and trees and Mother Earth and shit like that. I mean, basically any Testament song from around late 80s, early 90s. Oh, he said that, hasn't he? I certainly have. Fucking hell. Ah, well, anyway, fuck it. Um, So, yeah, by the way, I am on a fucking total big mouth vibe at the moment, in case you hadn't noticed. And if this is your first episode, oh, well, it's not always like this, but it fucking is today. Um, anyway, next up, I'm just all over the map here, but I don't give a shit. Uh, next up, Parkway Drive. Yes, Parkway Drive. Heavy metal band from Australia. Small residential uh, development in the middle of town. Or possibly shit indie band. The name doesn't really help, does it? It could be one of those three. It could be all of those three. But it most definitely is a metal band from Australia. And after all the, the, the hoo-ha, because <laughs> you got your head right up it. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> She's got a great fucking ass. I just, I, sorry. Um, some of you will know what all of that was about. <laughs> who, who, what am I? A fucking owl? <laughs> anyway, um, Parkway Drive. Tangent fans should be happy. Parkway Drive. I, um, I decided to go, um, I, I, Godless stated on the live podcast that their last album was um, as significant as album in metal as Vulgar Display of Power, or since Vulgar Display of Power. Now, obviously, that's an absolute load of fucking bollocks. Um, I mean, it's, God, it's Godless for fuck's sake. I mean, he likes Good Tiger and Deaf Heaven. Come on. But anyway, um, and, and Dance Gavin Dance. Please give it a listen. Tell me it's shit. Um, but anyway, Parkway Drive, I'm really fucking dragging this out. I apologise. Parkway Drive, Godless said that. And then uh, I think it was John Andrews or somebody in the audience said, actually, the previous album's better. Uh, it's, it's another John Andrews podcast. Um, so I went back and I now have pa- I now have Parkway Drive on my, uh, um, on my phone, which is where I listen to quite a lot of music. And I can also listen to it through my stereo because my amp is Bluetooth enabled. Oh, I'm so fucking happy about that. Anyway, um, the album's Irie. So I went and found Irie. And I also went and found the latest album, Reverence. Now, I have to say, Irie, I like it. I like it. I'm getting in. I'm getting in there. Reverence. I'm I, I'm getting there. It needs a few more plays. But Irie's slightly ahead of it because it's had more plays. But um, 
I mean, I there are some, there are some songs I can take or leave. I and I really don't like the the production, the fucking ridiculously clicky drums, the ridiculously um, ridiculous um, electronic snare, um, uh, and and yeah, it it does sound like fucking totally over pro tooled at times. But that being said, um, I am finding myself and and. You know, there are some very, very kind of... There, there are some new metal influences in there. But there is some full-on old-school metal influences in there as well, which I really wasn't expecting. I've been pre- presently surprised. Um, uh, Irie opens with a track called Destroyer, and it like it builds up and builds up. And it's sounding fucking... The riff it goes into is just pure... 80s metal it's 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 even possibly hair metal i mean i'm not kidding here but it's 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 done really well so um so partway drive i am and and the reason for this is i've i you know i have been looking at like albums i'm looking forward to and all that rest of it and i just think i do need to change up some fucking influences here because basically my favorite bands are on the last few albums or or retiring, or fucking dead. I mean, you know, it's getting that way. There needs to be some new blood brought in. So I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a quest to bring new blood into my musical metal taste, and 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 I will share my journey with you. And please feel free to share your your you know new metal tips with me. Well, not new metal, but you know what I mean, new blood. Um, and on that, on that. Um, uh, on that note, I have got a mention of a band called Moontooth. Now, I'm not a fan of the first album at all because the singer it sounds like that fucking wanker out of Incubus. Uh, who just... <laughs> fucking hate it. Anyway, um, that's my spot-on impression, I'll have you know. Um, but Moontooth have got um, a new album coming out. It's going to be coming out in, uh, well, I think it's next week. Oh, that's no use to you, is it? Okay, so it's coming out um, uh, last week of March 2019, whenever you're fucking listening to this. Um, there's two news, there's two singles that you can hear on um, uh, on YouTube at the moment. One is Or At The Angels, that's Or, A-W-E, Or At The Angels. Um, and, the other, and the other song is Trust. Both of those are new singles from the new album. Give it a whirl. It's pretty mad. Um, OK, what else has been going on in the world? Uh, Charlie Benante and Carla from the uh, Butcher Babies have gone public on their relationship. And I would just like to say... Zero fucks given by the Talking Bollocks podcast. This is not news. It's just two people in a relationship. Move on. So, um... Although I did see a funny comment of somebody saying, I bet Charlie's busting out the fucking, busting out the electrical tape. <laughs> clearly in a reference to the Butcher Baby's early career where they put, uh, where they put uh, plastic tape over their nipples. Anyway, um, what else has been going on? Chris Fenn is no longer in Slipknot and boy, did he decide to uh, fly in the face of the proper way of doing things and um, just basically took out lawsuits against other members. Boom! That's telling them you're going to leave, isn't it? You've got a fucking lawsuit on your... Fa- there's no... The point I'm making is there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from actions like that. And please take heed, Glenn fucking Tipton. Glenn hairstyle like a fucking bird's house Tipton. He still hasn't got it through his fucking head. 
why he wasn't asked to go back into Judas Priest. Because you left, you stupid old cunt! That's why! But he's determined that... Anyway, look, I've gone off on a tangent. Let's get back to Chris. Chris Fenn has left Slipknot. Another original member leaves. It's a shame. It's a real shame. He's citing um, Corey and uh, and fuckhead clown as, um, uh, as having... As basically screwing him over. Now... To me, it sounds. It to me again, it sounds like a bit like a Dave Lombardo scenario, which is, you were badly advised, Dave. You were badly advised to try and hold your bandmates to ransom um, before going to Australia, and it pretty much turns out you've been, you you were getting paid decently because there's been no lawsuits. Dave Dave Lombardo has not had any lawsuits with Slayer. He fucked up, and also Chris Fenn, I think, is going to have turned out to have been badly advised again when will people learn it's just people whispering in their ear going oh they must be making loads of money you sure you're getting that money you 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 sure you're getting all of the money it's people outside of bands whispering to people's ears and uh, it, it happens it happens on every fucking level it really fucking does uh, and funnily enough the next story is that i was going to talk about was fucking glenn tipton um pressed about whether he believes tipton is still running uh, um Oh, sorry. I've I've just made a t- complete mess of myself, haven't I? Um, I have I have really made a complete fucking dick of myself. It's not, is it? It's not Glenn Tipton who's. Fu- <laughs> um, I, I, what the fuck am I talking about? I'm talking about KK fucking Downing and his obsession. So anyway. Anyway, this is what he said. It was um, pressed about whether he believes Tipton is still running Priest from behind the scenes. Downing said, well, if Glenn isn't, who is? Robbie's never been a decision maker or Ian, really, the band, uh, or, or in the band ever. It was always me and Glenn, really. Well, it was to start with. Then the decision making was more Glenn and Jane, management company. But anyway, it's a sad state of affairs. It's well documented now. And I certainly wouldn't like to keep, I certainly wouldn't like to get any more quotes on Blabbermouth because I think everybody's had enough of it. It will be what it will be. And finally, finally, we get to the point. Yes, we all agree. We all agree. Just let it go KK let it go he seems to want to let it go he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be on Blabmouth anymore and do you know what he's not going to be on the Talking Bollocks podcast anymore I know I've said that before so I'm kind of gone back on my own word which makes me a bit of a fucking liar but tough fucking shit right okay it's time for an interview let's get into the interviews so um, did these very recently not going to say when because who gives a shit but the point I'm making is I'm going to do these interviews in the order that they were done. So first up, got to the venue, uh, wanted to see, um, I was supposed to interview Bobby. Um, they'd gone off for dinner. They, everything was put back a couple of hours. Thought I'd catch up with Michael from Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, but I was told that he had just gone into Camden Town because he was bored. I was told that by another than Flotsam and Jetsam vocalist Eric A.K. I said to Eric, Eric. Do you mind? And, and he said, I'm, I'm so bored, I've already started drinking. And he had a little glass of Jack of Coke in his hand. And I said, well, look, do you fancy um, having a chat for my uh, for my podcast? Um, explained very little. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, cool, man. And do you know what we did? We just leant against a wall round the back of um, Isling Academy 2 and spent the next 50 minutes just 
having a chat. It's really cool. At one point, you might hear somebody go past. You might hear like a or something like that. And that's that is actually Bobby walking past. You will also hear um, a, a fucking vans turning up, a band unpacking. You'll hear a little um, uh, courier bike appear. And, you know, my, my apologies, but, you know, we were wearing clip, mic, clip mics. This interview is completely spontaneous, totally unplanned. And you know what? Really enjoyable. Eric is one of my favourite all-time thrash vocalists. And it was just an absolute pleasure not even a splasure. It was a pleasure to spend time in his company. There you go. Another word I've invented. Splasure. It's a mixture mixture of um, spending and pleasuring. Your splasure. Oh, fuck it. I don't know. Anyway, this is a really cool chat that I really enjoyed. I hope you enjoy it too with Eric from Flotsam and Jetsam. So you find me um, stood outside the, the back of the venue, back of the venue with none other than... Uh, Singer from Flossum Jetsam, Eric AK. Eric, nice to meet you. Nice to meet we, you. Because we have only literally just met by accident. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Michael's gone to uh, to Camden Town because he was bored. Great. Um, now, how is he? I mean, obviously, you're touring the new album. Um, it seemed like quite a quick turnaround for you guys, or am I, you know, am I, am I confused about that? Because you've had some fairly chunky gaps between albums. Yeah. Um... This one wasn't uh, wasn't too bad. We worked on it fairly quickly. Um, we've actually already started working on the next one, so we're um, we're trying to stay ahead of ourselves as much as we can. But that's kind of how it is, really, isn't it? It's it's yeah. It being being yeah being ahead of the game is kind of being is just kind of keeping level with it. Yeah, and you know the studio work, the writing, and the creative process has really become our favorite part of the whole business. Um, touring is such a pain sometimes now because, uh, you know, everything's changed and you really rely on people buying merch and all that. And um, the, the sitting in the studio creating songs is really one of the happiest moments of the music industry now. So, so we're going to pump out as many records as we can because we love to do it. Well, I, I know you, you've kind of, you yourself have, have had a sort of love-hate relationship with, uh, with touring over the years, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming. Get, yeah. get another guy to do it. Ultimately, are you kind of like, are you sort of, you know, where are you on that graph at the moment of kind of... Um, right now, it's, it's a little different situation. Um, because of our last couple of records, um, we're drawing more people. We're getting a little better uh, guarantees, a little better venues. So it's starting to become a little more fun now for us. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the playing tiny little 200-person dives is only fun for a while, and then you really start to get sick of it. But... Um, it's uh, things are starting to look up for us um we're starting to gain a lot of fans we're on we've been on some really good tours which yeah. is really great for us uh, we just did hammerfall tour in the u.s and canada and that gained a lot of fans for us so um we're, as soon as we're done with this tour we're going to uh headline a u.s and canada tour and hopefully 
those Hammerfall fans will come see us. So. <laughs> yeah, but but that's something you, you know. You, you to me as an outsider, you seem to end up as as a kind of perennial support band and doing a lot of support sets. Certainly over here in Europe. Um, and then the last tour you did over here was a was a headline was was, was your own headline tour, um, which was great to see. Yeah. And so in the US, you feel in sort of North America, you're getting to you're getting back to that stage where it's it's going to because it's always a risk doing a headline tour. You know, it, your it's first one. A risk. Um, you know, we we like to do the support thing once in a while. Not only do we gain fans, but. You know, we play 45, 50 minutes and we're done for the night. Oh, know? that's the best bit. And then, you know, we get to relax for the rest of the evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, relax. So it's always a little more comfortable opening for somebody else. Um, you have half the problems, half the worries, you know. Um, but the, the ultimate goal, of course, is to headline tours and get those same numbers of people in. So. Yeah. That's what we're working on now, and we seem to be heading that direction very quickly. So, um, this tour has been great for us, and great for Overkill, and great for Destruction. Um, it's, it's such a strong bill. Yeah. For the UK, this is this is three bands who can all do headline tours in the UK. Right, and you know, even Overkill has told us, you know, by themselves they do four or five hundred people, and we're doing. You know, 800 to 1200 every night. So wow. it's it's um, it's great for everybody. It really is. And um, we have, we of course are taking responsibility for some of those people. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, I think it's I, it, it's definitely. I mean, those those of us with um, with kind of older school fan bases as well. Um, they, you, you know, they're you know they're going to turn out for a, for a bill like this. Yes. You know, um, and so Overkill fans who aren't that bothered about the other two bands will come out anyway, and vice versa. You've all got fans who will come out for you anyway. But then I think you've got there's also that other kind of um, maybe more new school fan who's going to go well. Look, you know, I'm I'm not really that deep into. Overkill and flotsam, but I'm a you know, but I love destruction. So you know, and you're literally you're there to impress, aren't you? There to win over fans. Yes, and um, you know, all three bands are in the same situation. They're all yeah. You know, there's people going. You know, I normally wouldn't go see Overkill, but destruction of flotsam's with them, so I'm coming. Yes, and vice versa. The same story with each band. And so we're all trying to win over the people who would not come see us by ourselves, but because we're with the, you know, the package, they show up. And um, hopefully when we come by ourselves, those same people show up because we did a great job this time. Yeah. So everybody's trying hard. Everybody's doing a great job every night. These bands are really easy to tour with. Um, They're all friends, you know. Well, I, I think last time I saw you guys, you were touring with um, Destruction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you you all know each other over the years. Oh yes, yes. And, and this would be this would be an awesome US tour as well, for that matter. It really would. Um, I, we're talking about coming back over here in September with Overkill again. So oh, that cool. might be uh, that might be something we're going to do. We're not sure yet, but. Um, it's been offered, and and uh, we're definitely exploring that option. But 
It kind of um, kind of depends how, on how things go. Yeah. If yeah. our record takes off all of a sudden, you know, maybe we'll go do something else. I don't know. But, but the, well, the chart positions and everything. I mean, it's, it's it seems with this album that there's just been a, a huge kind of certainly again in, in Europe from what I've seen. Um, you've had you know you've had your best charting positions for years in in, in various countries. Yeah, and um, uh, I really have not seen a bad review yet on the record, so. That's that's always a plus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, everybody absolutely. seems to like it, and like I said, we've already started writing on the next one. It's going to be just as good, if not better. So we're um, we're heading in the right direction. That's awesome. I mean, it, it's um, it's great because I, I I really do feel as a as a as a long time Flossum fan. Um, uh, as well as having you know the chance to play with you all those years ago, um, for me it, it's kind of like this really is the the sort of second heyday of the band, or rather the heyday of the band, because you you just never you never got a break when you know when things were you know when things were at their peak. Right. Um, for me, anyway, you just never seemed to get a break. You would never kind of broke through. I mean, Cuatro, Neil Kernan, everything was in place. It's a fucking storming album. It's an incredible album. And yet, it just seemed to pass a lot of people by. And now, it, it, it appears like it's almost like a kind of, you know... Yeah, and and the the strange thing, you know, back then we we were on MCA Records, yeah, and they were dumping a lot of money into us. They wanted us to be their Metallica, you know, yeah, and they were really gearing us up for that. You know, we did three records with them. They're just like, this is the one we're gonna, you know, Drift is the one we're gonna do, and and then uh, they got bought out by I think it was Seagrams, right. And they went through the roster and just went, oh, we never heard of this band, get rid of them. We never heard of these guys, get rid of them. You can keep Elton John, you can keep them, you know. So it was it was really a, a, a huge smack in the face for us that we're building you up, we're building you up, and no, never mind. Across you three know. albums of how many years of your life and you're working towards a common goal, you think? Exactly, and we left there owing them like $2 million or something. It was ridiculous. So, you know, it, our career has always been like that. Um, we get to a certain point and a member quits or management robs us or an agent quit or something it's always something you know yeah and that's kind of uh, the meaning behind the end of chaos our new album is that's that's all done now you know? <laughs> right right we're, okay we're starting a new leaf here so <laughs> no one's allowed to leave yeah no, no yeah, one's yeah, allowed yeah. to leave no one's <laughs> allowed to quit so and we're handling all the business and and all the stuff that we relied on other people we're handling all that ourselves now yeah so, makes sense and once we get to a point where it's a little too much for us, maybe we'll get some management and, you know, uh, some professionals to, to operate that end of things for us. But for now, it seems to be working. You know, we're climbing very quickly and uh, we have our, our finger on everything. We know what's going on with every aspect of the band. And there isn't any member of the band who doesn't care you know they're all everybody wants to know exactly what's happening all the time we know exactly what money's coming in what money's going out that's you good know, that's we good. know what our numbers are we know what our, our place on the charts are you know everybody knows everything and we care about it and 
everybody is equally doing the writing and the, um, the press and the, you know we're, it seems like a, a single unit now instead of five different members that's awesome and it also means that 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 that, that weight of organizing everything is spread across the members as well so one person yes. doesn't feel like they're you know that they're, they're, they're doing all this work and nobody cares and nobody's grateful and right you know, and, 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 and we, we've all heard we've all had the yeah. arguments yeah and everybody has a different job so um and we all keep an eye on each other you know yeah they make sure that i'm doing the interviews i'm supposed to be doing and we make and, sure and, that so, and some you're not supposed to right, be doing right right yeah, yeah. not supposed to be doing <laughs> And, you know, we make sure that Spencer has his eye on the money. He's the money guy. He does all the, the numbers of everything. Right. And he makes sure that we know everything he's doing. And it's just very comfortable now. Yeah. Um, we're all very good friends. And at the same time, nobody is harder on me than the band. And nobody's harder on the band than I am. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. You know? and all, but also, I think sometimes it's... Um, it's, I mean, a that's really refreshing, but also it, you can you can fall into the habit of of blaming management and blaming the label, and it can become a real kind of it starts dragging everyone down, and you think, well, actually, in in your situation, it really is a case of like, well, you know, we're we're, we're carrying the weight. There are definitely some times <laughs> with past management where they wanted us to go a certain direction, and we were like, no, no, we're we're too heavy for that. We're not going to do that. Looking back, we probably should have listened to them because we'd be much bigger than we are now. Yeah, I've had that. You know, yeah, I've had that. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of mistakes we've made over the years, and we try to take that experience and maybe not make those mistakes now. So but, 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 but also, they're, but they're your mistakes. They are you know what I mean? Mistakes. I mean, I, I would, I'd rather look back. I'd rather look back on a career that... Um, has kind of gone wrong at point at points because of decisions I've made as opposed to decisions somebody else has made. Yeah, it's a little harder to take when it's somebody else screwing up your life yeah. than it is when you're screwing up your own life, you know. So, um, and, and we realize that we try to keep that in mind, and um, we've already made a few mistakes coming back and doing this thing. So, you know, it, it's a constant learning curve, especially now. Everything is different in the music industry. Yeah. everything yeah. is different. Every every year, everything is different. I mean, yes. stuff is just changing constantly. Yeah, daily. It's yeah. ridiculous. And you know, like right now, we're in the position on this lineup because of probably I don't know Facebook numbers or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, they have better Facebook numbers than you, so you're playing before them. You know? And that kind of stuff we need to keep an eye on but as soon as we start doing that that will all change now they're looking at something else you know yeah oh you only sold two records they only sold one record so you know it's yeah it's ridiculous but it, it's a constant learning curve it's it's trying to keep up with the times you would not believe how many places we've played where right next door there's a huge venue and some YouTube star that nobody's ever going to hear of two months later is filling the place, you know, 10,000 people. Two months later, nobody's going to know who they are. And yet we've been doing this for, you know, 35 years and we're playing the small club next door. <laughs> so, yeah. But, you know, everything is, uh, it's learn as you go. And 
what you just learned today you have to change for tomorrow yeah absolutely so, absolutely you know we're just having fun and hoping that that we can keep doing this without going broke and without you know living in a cardboard box when I get home yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, well it was I mean it was many many years before um, that you were away from the UK for instance whereas you know you've been back a few times now over the last few years but you know there was there was a quite a chunk of time where I assume business reasons it just wasn't worth coming over here. it just never worked out for one reason or another but it was kind of strange because our first time in the UK we played the Hammersmith Odeon yeah. We got off the plane, drove straight to the gig. I oh, was supporting Megadeth. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. And we right, set yeah. up, opened up with a hammerhead. I mean, it was we were tuning guitars as the curtains going up, you know, and right off the plane. And this last time we played Bloodstock, same thing. Right off the plane, we get on stage, tuning guitars as they're announcing us, and we opened up with hammerhead. And people are just like, oh, this is deja vu all over again. <laughs> You know, 30 years later or something, so... No, no, no. It, it was kind of weird, but we're not... Um, we're definitely not going to let uh, the UK be ignored anymore. No, 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 that's cool. That's cool. I mean, but, you know, the amount of times you've been over over the last few years, um, I think you know, it's definitely made a difference, obviously, because otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. Yes. Um, but um, and of course uh, the the most recent the most recent album that um, that you're currently touring. Um, Pleased with the way that's come out, with the way you know the job F AFM have done. A friend of mine, Andy Pilkington, did all of your uh, did all of your art and all the rest of it. He's um, uh, and he's a friend of the show. Um, are you pleased with the way everything has come out? You know, as far as Andy's concerned, we'll probably use him forever. <laughs> you know, he's he's a great guy. Yeah, isn't he? Yeah. He does a great job on the album cover. He does all of our lyric videos for us. Um, Oh, his lyrics videos are amazing. His lyric videos are awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, and, uh, and he turns things over very quickly. We say, hey, can you do this? And two days later, here's a, you know, proof. Check this one out. And uh, he does, He just does a great job. He's one of those golden finds that you want to hang on to forever. Yeah. We have a sound man that way, you know. We've had him for a few tours now, and we're never going to tour without him. He's just amazing. Well, I, 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 love, the, I love the retro shirt. That um, they did for the for the cover. That right. is just that's awesome. That is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. The uh, like the Japanese movie poster thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I remember he sent me a picture. He's like, "What do you think?" I was like, "I think I want one." That's yeah. that's amazing. And that guy, we you know, we send him and we just send him an email about an idea, and he gets it right away. And he sends us something, and it's almost exactly what we're thinking of every time. So. <laughs> He's on the same wavelength as us. So. Yeah. So what was the idea of bringing, bringing Flotzilla back onto the... Uh, I have always wanted to bring Flotzilla back. Right, okay. Every album, I'm like, let's bring the lizard back, you know? Let's bring... <laughs> no, no, we're going to do this instead. We're gonna, <laughs> oh, really? So this time, I kind of put my foot down. I said, no, we're bringing Flotzilla back, and I don't care what he's doing, but he's coming back on the album cover. So everybody got together and said, all right, let's have him, you know, destroying New York or something. So one of the songs on the new record is his, his life story, basically. And uh, once I wrote that, it was cinched in the deal. We had to have him on the cover. So. <laughs> awesome. I'm pleased with that. Um, on a personal point of view, I remember reading an interview... Um, and, and by the way, I have to say, I think I, a different interview, slight tangent, but I remember you saying... 
it was I would so I got the I got the gold uh, remasters um, of Q Outro and When the Storm Comes Down and I think I remember reading an interview at the time and I don't, I've never in- agreed with somebody so much you were interviewed and you said if only we could remix When the Storm Comes Down not just remaster but but remix yes. and I'm, I'm given the amount I'm, I'm guessing the amount of the amount of money that is, um, that, is, that is owed to MCA there's no likelihood of you managing to get it off you know MCA's been very good to us about that we got yeah, a letter right, cool. from them uh, 10 years ago for Christmas and they said hey you know that 2 million dollars you owe us forget it we're all good and we're like, yes <laughs> You can't have your records, but... But, they, but this is just like out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, we've been off the off the label for who knows how many years, but they just, they called us up and said, hey, forget about it. You're even, you know, that's one less worry in your career. Right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, oh, that's great. That's you know? awesome. So, yeah, I would love to remix that one I uh, actually yeah. would like to have Neil Kernan remix that one to oh. get it give it more of that quattro drift feel absolutely absolutely uh, it, it, it's just it, 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 I mean I think from a from a new school and the old school and it's it, for me I think it's probably one or two uh, it, it's such a strong album I'd and actually like to re-sing that one too really I ripped a hole in my vocal cord right before that record what they spent months in the studio replacing microphones and cables and having the desk fixed and everything. And bef- finally, the producer, Alex Perialis, came in and stood next to me while I was singing. He goes, it's your throat. And I'm like, what do you mean it's my throat? He says, no, all of this, what we're hearing in there, it's your throat. It's not cables and microphones. So I went to the doctor and he says, yeah, you ripped a hole in your vocal cord. <clears throat> Still to this day, sometimes when I'm warming up and I'll do a scream or something and two notes come out at the same time because I have that hole in my vocal cord. Weird. If I could learn how oh. to control it <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, do yeah. my own harmonies, that would be great. Oh, but dude, you'd be touring on your own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a um, phenomenon. Um, so how the hell did you pull off that last note in Suffer of the Masses, Suffer the Masses then? The, the weird thing is the super high clean stuff was all I could do on that record. Wow. I couldn't sound tough on it. I couldn't get low registers. I couldn't, because that hole in my vocal cord would just open up and it just sounded horrible. Right. So all I could do was high clean stuff. So the whole record is high clean vocals just because that's all I could do at the time. So I'd really love to go in and re-sing that. Yes, I mean, well, it's a, I mean, it's a great performance. One of my favorite seals. I mean, uh, that is, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. So is, is that the point where you changed your singing style as well? Because you weren't, you weren't using, you weren't singing from the diaphragm, were you? You were... No, I was singing all from the top of my throat. And right, so part of sing slash shout. Yeah, yeah, that and all the partying and, you know. But, uh... Yeah, you can kind of tell when Quattro came out, it was a completely different singing style. And uh, I took some vocal coaching and some lessons just to refresh my mind on stuff that I already knew that I wasn't using. Mm. And uh, actually, David Van Landing, who sang for Crimson Glory for a while, was my vocal coach. Oh, right. And he's dead now. He's been dead for four or five years. But he's uh, he did a lot for me. He... You know, I, I had a theater background, so I knew everything he was teaching me, but I didn't use any of it. So he kind of 
put that all, all that stuff back in my head and you have to do this and you have to do that and you know this much water every day and this much warm-ups and warm-ups are not for today's show they're for tomorrow's show and all that stuff you know so that's a really good saying yeah once I once I remembered all that and started using it my vocal style just changed automatically it just was kind of a natural thing yeah and it's been progressing ever since did you did you find did it open up more for you did you find you were able to do things that you hadn't been able to do previously or you were just able to still do the same stuff but without as much no, of an it, effect it definitely opened up my range uh, really the lower range than anything else and a little tougher sounding vocal yeah but uh, it definitely opened up my my vocal range just even just thinking about doing the stuff I'm supposed to be doing it, it opened my range up completely um, everything is so much easier to sing now for me um, you know anywhere on the spectrum it's so much easier to sing just because I, I keep all those tricks and, and warm-up ideas in mind all the time when I'm singing. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting better and better every day because of it. And I presume as well, having having that in your armory, it takes a little bit of um, takes a little bit of that that kind of worry away that I think I think most singers I've ever spoken to, there's always that nagging feeling in the back of your mind of, it, it, you know, Am I gonna? Am I gonna be able to get to the end of this tour? How many days off have I got? You know, the right. only person in the band who looks straight at the days off right, right. <laughs> is is the singer. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a strange thing now because the more shows we do in a row, the better my voice gets, and it's like I get more warmed up every day. We just did uh, forty shows in forty three days with Hammerfall in the U.S. Wow. And by the end of the tour, I was sounding the best I've ever sounded. With only three days off? Yeah, three days off in 43 days. So. I wouldn't. God, I think I'd pass out just being shown the dates. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was pretty crazy. So now when I have a day off, that next show, I know I'm going to be a little rough. Because I had a whole day of relaxation and. You Do you know. know what? It's funny you should say that. We were I, I, we recorded our album in the summer, and it's still being mixed at the moment. God, I hate mixing. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking hate it. But um, uh, I noticed I, I did five days straight, and 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 you know, me and the producer said, "Look, you know, you've done really well. Have a day off." And come in, came in the following day, and I was just like, I, I can't do it. I can't yeah, do this. It took a whole session to get warmed up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, my. It literally was. It was. I. It made so much sense logically. Oh, day off. Come in refreshed. Everything will be great. Right. And took a day off, and it was like, ah, oh, it was the worst thing I could have done. Yeah, it's weird because mentally a day off does wonders, but physically for the voice box, it's going. No, I was just all tight and ready and now I'm relaxed and I gotta start all over again. Yes. It's it's a crazy thing, but you know, and everybody's every singer's vocal um, their regiment is completely different, you know. Yeah. Everybody yeah. reacts different, their throat muscles react react different and so, you know, I'm just after thirty five years I'm just now kind of learning what mine does and what it likes and what it doesn't like and so 
Yeah, I know the feeling. I'm, I, I, like I said, you know, recording the album in the in the summer was was a really kind of like expansive experience for me. And and I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to go and see a singing teacher for the first time in about 25 years because I know that what I've recorded is, yeah, you got you're going to need to pull that off live as well as all the other stuff that goes along with the live performance right. and i got to be the best you know i got to be the best version of me possible um, and it's, it's got... a little difficult because you're paying someone to tell you stuff that you already know <laughs> yeah I know this you know I'm a singer I know this stuff but when somebody tells you it it's, it kind of drives it in your head and you're like yeah. okay now now maybe I'll actually use the things that I know instead of yeah, yeah, just yeah. knowing them yeah because it's like yeah I know that and it's like and it's like well yeah it's been like going to see the doctor yeah. isn't it it's like yeah I know I've, I know I've got a problem there yeah, it's so like you've got to drink more water yeah okay I knew that I yeah. still don't do it but <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew that <laughs> but it's almost like it's almost getting that from, from a scene teacher or a doctor, it's like getting that description of okay you know that Well, but just what you might not know is if you don't do it A, B and C yeah. are now in the room and you're like oh right okay I mean I knew I was supposed to do it but I didn't realise it was so vital and if I don't do it then yeah. right the dangers are there right just like warm-ups I um, I always think of it as someone slapping you in the face if you know the slap is coming you can tense up for it and it won't hurt so bad but if it just comes up and slaps you it's gonna hurt the next day you know same thing with singing if you know you warm up and your throat knows hey I'm about to you know do some damage to you the next day it's not so bad but if you just do it without telling your throat, hey, I'm not, I'm not gonna warm up. I'm just gonna go out and slap you in the throat. You know? Yeah. The next day, it's going, uh-uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you That's beat me up yesterday. I'm not doing it today. <laughs> do you know, I saw an interview with Ronnie Dio, and he said his, the only vocal warm-up, the only warm-up he did was smoke a joint. The funny thing is, if I quit drinking and smoking, I sound like a little girl on stage. I get my throat gets so high and so clean, and I just hate it. So once in a while, I have to have a cigarette, I have to have a Jack Daniels, and it oh, gives to. me that have little to. yeah, gives me that little rough. And mentally, it you know makes me feel a little more metal. I think a little so. bit more rock and roll, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, everybody's got that little bit of Ramones in the back of their head. Where they, yeah, I got a party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Well, otherwise, it's just a job. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just a job, and most of it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, most of, most of it's traveling. Yeah, basically. Traveling, sitting backstage, waiting for your turn. You know, sound checks, all that. Yeah, it's a, it is a lot. It, there is a lot of hanging around, and uh, I, it's it's funny. I think looking at the life of a musician now, um, I think for the majority of musicians. It's now a, 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 a minimum wage job, a minimum wage, a minimum wage way of seeing the world on your own sort of terms. Absolutely. And, and I think in the in the past, you know, you'd look at like basically the top twenty five percent were pretty much, you know, having a comfortable living. And now, and now it's kind of like the top two and a half percent. You know, and, and and everybody else is just all you know, fighting at the same picnic, you know? Sometimes I think it's uh, 
just Metallica. Everybody else is having a rough time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, it's like someone always said, yeah, there, there isn't a big four, there's a big one and three yeah, others. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, nobody's selling records, so it's all got to be merch and, you know, ticket sales and... Well, but that's also why you're saying, uh, well, that's why you're saying, like, just about every other band bringing out a whiskey, a wine, a coffee, you know, I, if you can brand it, and it's, it, if it can't be downloaded for free, and you can put your brand, band logo on it, then, you know... You would not believe some of the stuff we've sold at our merch booth. <laughs> you know, my, oh, I'm sure I would. My in-ears run out, and I change the batteries, I sign the old with dead ones, and put them out at the merch booth. <coughs> Somebody's going to buy them. Almost every time. We've sold... Actually, Derek from Overkill sold a cold piece of pizza. He signed the back of it, put it out on the merch booth, somebody bought it for 10 euro. A piece of pizza. Well, you better make... Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you, really, you really have to freeze that. <laughs> yeah, right? Or, or take a picture of it or something, because right. it's not going to look like that in, no. like, two or three days. Yeah, it's going to be a plant. <laughs> yeah. Before you know it. That's insane. That's absolutely but, insane. Well, whatever it takes to, you know, to hey, make the tour keep going. So. Well, I, I, we had, um, we had a, a couple, I, I had like five copies of, um, of a box set of our back catalogue. And, and we only had, there was five copies. They're really expensive to buy on eBay. They're not in print anymore and all the rest of it. So uh, we had a five-day tour. I had five copies. Every night at the merch stall, you could buy raffle tickets. And spend as much as you want, and you know, and so everybody bought raffle tickets, and then during the set, you know, between one of the songs, we go, okay, right, it's time for the raffle. Draw a ticket. Draw the ticket out. Get the guy up, you know, or girl. Give nice. him the CD box set. Everyone gives him a big cheer. Nice. Dive off the stage. Right, next song is. Do you know what? <laughs> we made so much money out of that raffle. You know, for. for you know, five box sets that had been kicking around in my house for ages that I'd forgotten I even had. And somebody right. said, oh, should we take these on the road? And back in the day, yeah. that would have been extra money, but now it's covering something that you don't make anymore. Oh, yeah, back in the day, yeah. you'd be like, okay, right, you know, drinks are on us tonight, or let's go out and have a big meal. Right. But like you say, now, now it's, it's like, literally... Oh, we can put gas in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> that's, that's two tanks of petrol. <laughs> Result! <laughs> it is. It's, it's gone from it's gone from touring and everybody going like you know showing off about the size of their rig and the size of their crew. Mm. And now it's the other way, isn't it? It's like well, there's the, well, it, we're, it's just the band, and we've got yeah. the smallest band. We're in a smart car, right. you know. It's like people are showing off about how much they've managed to cut their overheads. Right. Our sound man is also doing merch and tour managing, and you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no one has one job anymore either. Oh no. It's like in, including all the band members, as you mentioned earlier. You know, everybody is got to be on it all the time yeah and it's it's a little difficult to watch uh, some of the rap artists and stuff who don't do anything nothing and they're selling millions and millions of records why it's horrible stuff <laughs> I don't get it I know it's it's the YouTube stars that last two months and they go out and do one tour and make millions of dollars and they're done that's it yeah. career over yeah but again I guess I, you've got to weigh that whole you know money buys shoes it doesn't buy happiness you know this is true 
I mean, that's that's true. what everybody else with no money tells us. <laughs> and I try to I try to remind myself that when I'm carrying my two heavy pieces of luggage and one of the guitar players guitars through airports, going, <laughs> okay, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is better than an office job. <laughs> Constantly telling yourself. Yes. So, um, so what, speaking of which, what do you what do you do when you um, when you're at home? Is you know how you um, fill in, um, in the bills? Some hobbies that are expensive that I don't do very much of, but I um, part owner of a construction company. And right. We do like kitchen and bathroom remodels and yeah. stuff like that. So when I'm at home, I'm very busy every right. day, seven days a week. <laughs> And uh, when I come out on the road, I take a pay cut, and you know I'm out here doing this, so it's a little difficult to keep the bills paid when I'm on the road. But we make just enough to squeak by, you know. But that's but, uh, but it's obviously a part of you that you need to keep nourished. I have to, and my, you know the. I have some hardcore fans that I talk to every day on Facebook or Messenger or whatever. And they would not let me stop doing this. Not in a million. They just, we know your address. We're coming to get you. <laughs> so, so I don't have a lot of choice when it comes to whether I'm touring or not. They they make me tour, but I would do it anyway. I mean, I love this life, and I love, you know, doing the touring thing and seeing the world. And, yeah. You know, I'm, I just hope to get to a point where... I don't have to work when I get home. You know, I can just book another tour and go right back out on the road again. That would be great. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't have any grandiose uh, expectations of you know buying Ferraris and stuff like that. Just paying the bills is all I need, just like a normal, you know, yeah, anybody absolutely. else's job. So that's that's my goal at this point. We're getting close, but not quite there. And. Uh, I'd like to be able to bring my wife out once in a while, you know, on tour with me. Yeah. Which I've never done in 30 years. Wow. Yeah, she's a little angry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so any any of the other guys managed to bring their wives out with them? No. Um, we had... Because you realize you're done for the minute one of them does, don't you? <laughs> we, had, um, we had two days off at the very beginning of this tour in Italy. So Spencer brought his girlfriend out, but he owns a big air conditioning company in LA, so I mean in Sacramento, so. Right, right. He can afford that, I can't. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, as soon as I can, I'll bring the wife out. Maybe I'll put her to work doing merch or something. Yeah, absolutely. Make it worth it, you Absolutely. Know? One thing's for sure, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that she'll do that. She, yeah, she, she comes on tour with you once and goes, yeah, no, no, I've done that. Yeah, off you go. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, Luckily for me, over the last 30 years, she enjoys getting rid of me for a few months at a time. Which is great. She's like, yeah, get out of my house, go. But now she's starting to complain. I haven't seen any of the world. You've been around the world, you know, 17 oh, times. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty tough one to deal with. She's yeah. got a point. Yeah, next month we have our 25th wedding anniversary coming up, so I have to come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could just see you saying, right, okay, 25th anniversary. How would you like to do merch for us? Yeah, how would you yeah. like to do my laundry because I'm going back out on tour again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even merch has got to be an improvement over that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs>
She's a trooper, though. She's, she keeps sticking with me. I don't know why, but she she does. Well, after all these years, I mean, that is, that's something. That really is. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. It's strange, because the very first night I met her, and that I took her out, I went to her house to pick her up, and she's got Eric A.K. and Flotsam posters all over her room, and all over. I'm oh like, my God. what am I getting myself into? <laughs> yeah. 30 years later, I'm still with her, so. That's awesome. That's awesome. But um, I mean, that's that's an, that is an enduring relationship overall uh, over that period of time. And, and presumably as well, she you knows she's seen the highs and the lows. She's seen the MCA years where they're sinking money into you, and yes. you know you're thinking any you know any time now. Yeah. And then she's seen how you can relax and just go shopping. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's seen those years where it's uh, oh, you want to go on tour? Yeah. Well, off you go. <laughs> Um, but it, I mean, it's, it has been an, um, an, an incredible career um, because you could have, uh, you know, you could have completely imploded after album one, you know, losing Jason when you did, and and uh, yeah. and, and, and everything else. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I've had a lot of lineup changes over the years. So. Ever so slightly, yeah. yeah. Well, aren't you just about the only constant? I'm the only one that's been there. Actually, I quit for six months. Is that when they went on tour with a different singer? Yeah, with uh, James Rivera from uh, Hellstar. Yeah. And uh, it didn't go over very well. They called me as soon as that uh, half of that tour was over and said, are you coming back now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I miss it. I'll come back. <laughs> but that's it. I which, uh, funnily enough, the, I don't think, I'm not sure how many of the lineup that you currently have were on the album, but um, one one album of yours I think that gets really overlooked, which is fairly recent, was The Cold. That, I thought, was, that was a real return to form. Dreams of Death, there was like, oh, you know, we're coming back, there's, there's sparks of life here. But The Cold, I thought, was a proper flotsam album. Yeah, The Cold, uh, Mark Simpson and I. Yes. Basically wrote that whole thing. And uh, that was Mark Simpson's brainchild, you know, and he did an amazing job on that record. We both do. You both do. And, yeah, and he would send me songs and just say, hey, I love this tune, don't screw it up. <laughs> Put something cool on here. <laughs> and I'd send him something and go, that's almost there. So I'd work on it some more, and he'd go, there it is, that's the one. So that was, that was me and Mark. Um, I know. I know. Last time I spoke to Michael about it, I, I mentioned it, and he was like, "He's like, yeah, I had nothing to do with that." He said, "It's an awesome record." Yeah, I'm the only one left in the band that's on that record. So. Right. <laughs> Which again, and he's, I mean, maybe it's, but that doesn't seem that long ago to me. The cult. Yeah. I mean, that's only what like doesn't seem that long three, ago. four albums at the most. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was incredible. And like I said, when, when I was talking to Michael about it, he was saying like, yeah, I had to bring Mark up and say, dude, how'd you play these fucking songs? Yeah. <laughs> you know. We're. Uh, we're starting to learn some of those songs for our U.S. tour coming up because I'm finally putting my foot down and go, no, we're doing some songs from the cold. Awesome. So yeah, because you yeah you've 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 literally you're never, like in a camp of one, yeah, aren't you? We've but, never played any of those songs live. Ever. Really? Yeah. Those none of that album has ever been played live by us. Wow. Yeah. So I finally put my foot down and said, you know, I'll let you guys pick the songs at least two off that record and we're going to do them on the tour so 
they start calling Mark Simpson up saying, how did you play this? What's the chords for this? What's the... Then they start telling me, oh, we need three guitar players for this, you know, for Better Off Dead. I'm like, no, we don't. We can figure it out, you know? <laughs> so we're battling back and forth, but they finally gave in, and we're going to throw a couple cold songs on the... Uh, Brilliant. ...in the next couple tours. Oh, that would be very... I mean, this, this song, this, this, the song, The Cold, on its own, I mean, that is a... That's just a beast of a of a title track. That's one of my favorite solos on any record of all time. Is off of the cold. I just love the guitar solo on that. There's some there's some fantastically work all over that record. There really yeah. is. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I like yeah. It's just it's just an incredibly solid polished it's, it's it's a proper flotsam and jets album you might be the only member who's you know who's selling the band who was on it but that for me is you know sits alongside drift and uh, you know albums of that era yeah it's um, one of my favorites well i uh, yeah no i absolutely love it absolutely love it and i think i think vocally as well it's up there with some of the best stuff you've done it is um it is i um i, I kind of let myself go on that record i'm i'm not going to think about what's heavy and what's tough and what's clean and what's high and what's i'm just gonna sing what comes out and it came out really great i'm really happy with that no it did it came out really really well um was that was that on afm no that was on a label called driven music group which is owned by head from corn oh right okay yeah so it was the only record we did with them so yeah, it was kind of a strange thing, and the the contract was very weird. We'll never see any money off of that record ever. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is generally a weird contract. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, we had no other offers, so it was take this one or don't do anything. So, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. And despite what everyone's selling you, it's like, well, you know. The, the, the other option's worse, believe it or not. Yeah. You know, the other option, not signing the contract, yeah, that's worse. Yeah, because then you're, you know, you're begging people for money so you can do it yourself, you know? Yes. It's, it's ridiculous. I, well, and, and, and that's something I think I, a lot of, um, I get a lot of, we get a lot of fans saying, hey, you know, what have you, what, have you thought about crowdfunding? What about this? And it's like, look, guys, what you don't understand is, and there's no reason why they should, so it's, you know, I consider it my role to explain that what crowdfunding does is it, it, it does, pro it provides you finance. Right. But that is all, right. you know. After that, you've got to you've got to set up a company. You've got to have everything manufactured. You've got to have everything warehoused. You've got to everything. Yes, there's you know, no marketing set, involved. There's no. It's that, just the recording costs. That's it, and it's and and marketing, PR, everything. It's now. I mean, really, whatever you spend on the album, you should be spending like twice on telling everybody you've got an album out easily. And if you don't have someone who's either a um, you know, a media genius or a record label. Nobody's gonna know the records out. Yeah. You know, we did uh, we did Ugly Noise on crowdfunding. Yeah. And just off of our name alone, we got it out there a little bit. But it would have been so much better than the label behind it. Yeah. You know, getting it in stores and all that stuff. So. No, but it, it is though. It is a case of it's now more important than ever with the with the dissolution of of communication and just you know trying to get any voice out there being so difficult. Um, 
you are now in a position where I mean, I'm dealing with labels these last few weeks having you know regards our new album um, and a lot of the time it's like right okay we don't even no, not even a mention of a contract or anything like that it's like this is what we'll do and it's just a, it's just a list of PR mm-hmm. I mean it's just like a, you know we'll, we'll, we'll do this here we'll do that here we'll do this on social media etc etc um, because they know that that's what you that's what that's pretty much all you're interested in it's what you want to hear yeah. you know how are you going to get the message out there because in theory you know I can set up, set up a record label get a distribution deal distribute everything digitally myself you know anyone can literally get the product out there right but if no one knows it's out there right and it only takes one person who um, releases your album on social media and they get a million hits next thing you know Facebook's sending them checks and they have nothing to do with your band or label or anything you know? yeah so now it's a matter of you put your stuff out there for free before somebody else does so you get the million hits instead of them you know it's the, the whole industry has changed so much it's it's amazing isn't it? yeah it's, it's and it's just a matter of learning how to you know what's what you have to do first and how much you have to do it and you know well it's just adapting evolve and survive it's just different yeah yeah absolutely certainly not better but it's different <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah I suppose there's uh, but again even with the old, the way the way everything used to be as well, it's kind of none of it's perfect. None of it is an ideal system. Yeah, you know? when we were doing Quattro, I remember flying Ed Carlson and, and myself out to New York. Uh, they pick us up in a limousine at the airport, and we go to MTV and do an interview, and we go someplace else and do an interview, and they fly us back home. And we stayed at the nicest hotel, you know, in New York while we were there, and. That was that was real rock stardom, you know, back then. Now, I don't even know what a limousine looks like anymore. You know, I, I have, yeah. And if you go do uh, press interviews, you do like fifty in an hour, and you know, it's ridiculous. You gotta book everything all at once because you may not be able to make it to that spot ever again. Well, well, also there's the other thing as well, which is. Um, with so many with, I mean once, once upon a time back in the day you'd be doing an interview with a journalist who would have you know researched you know your stuff might have reviewed the album you know and and spent years learning how to be a journalist right and and now I don't you could end up down a back down a back street outside the venue talking to somebody you just right. yeah. some kid who just bought his first laptop a few months ago and he's already a journalist yeah yeah and he's interviewing 20 bands or, or, or has, has managed to you know score a pass and is interviewing every band that day and yeah. like so who are you you know what do you do what, yeah. what have you got out it's like yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But also uh, the one that gets the one that gets me is the is the um, is the closed questions expecting you to just carry on talking. So it's like you know, yeah. you know, the new album's really good. I really like it. And you're like, there's no question. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the thing, but the thing is, if you do that, if you do that, you just end up looking like a dick. I've done it. Right. You know, and you just everyone right. thinks, well, that guy's a dick. Yeah. Why is he being like that with him? And it's yeah. like this guy was not talkative at all. He's <laughs> horrible. Horrible interview. 
Yeah, you didn't ask any questions. You just right. said a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, it does happen. It does happen. Well, look, Eric, um, it's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you around the back of the venue here. Um, I'm, re- look, I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm really looking forward to the uh, uh, to the show tonight. Um, it's been a while. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Michael as well and reminding him he was supposed to do an interview. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not a problem. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. How cool was that? I mean, just totally spontaneous, so enjoyable. And then we, we, we carried on chatting for about another 10 minutes. And at one point I was thinking, oh, fucking hell, I wish I hadn't switched this off. Um, but he did tell me some off-the-record stuff, which was really cool for a complete flotsam fan. It was really cool to, 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 to hear. Um, and I'm not going to repeat it, but feel free, as always, stop me. Um, if you see me, uh, ask me anything you want, and I will tell you in person. Um so, what else been going on? Um, I, I've, I, one of my albums of the year is Dream Theatre, Distance Over Time. I am loving it. John, John Petrucci is back to being the absolute riff master that he is. Some serious heaviness coming out of um, uh, on this album, and um, I will be playing. I will be spinning tracks on uh, Bollocks Radio um, or Radio Bollocks. I can never remember what I call it, um, but um, please do check out. Um, please do check out the the radio show. It's on YouTube. I, I've put links up everywhere. Please do listen because I will stop doing it if if I don't get the viewing figures up. So please um, spread the word. It's up there now. Um, Bollocks Radio on the Talking Bollocks YouTube channel. Please give it a listen. Lots of interesting stuff on there. And, you know, I do need to I, I need to get some listeners to it because there's fuck all happening there at the moment. It's really not being listened to that much. So I'm not going to keep doing it much longer if it's just for me. So please do check it out. And you will be hearing, you will be hearing some um, some dream theatre on there. Yeah, Distance Over Time, man. It's absolutely kicking my ass at the moment. Or is it ass? A previous debate that has been had on Talking Bollocks. As Brits, do we kick ass or do we kick ass? I mean, kick ass just sounds lame if you're fucking asking me. So I'm still I'm still sticking with, as I think my previous conclusion was, kick ass, motherfucker. Again, motherfucker, a lovely word, but it doesn't have the same doesn't have the same oomph with with an English accent that it has with you know you, you know what I mean. Come on, fuck you, motherfucker. That's 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 motherfucker, isn't it? You know. Uh, me saying, oh, it's been a real motherfucker. I don't know. Is it genuine? How does it sound? Does it sound? It, is, that, is, that, is that right or is it wrong? Am I talking shit or am I talking bollocks? See, see, what, I, see what I did there? See what I did there? Um, also, um, I listened to, a, to a, listened to a band this month, Any Given Day. And uh, all I can say about that is, uh, could be any given band. Meh. Could be fucking anyone anyone i have to say as well i, I, I mention um i was at a show very recently i was at the flotsam and jetsam destruction and overkill show hence i got you these interviews and i really 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 have to make out a point now i can't believe i'm actually having to say this right if you are at a gig and you have a rucksack and you do not carry it by your side and you do not stand with it between your feet you have it on your back 
Yeah, then you're a fucking idiot. And if you've ever wondered why you keep being pushed around, it's because the rucksack is on your fucking back, you daft cunt. Seriously, what the fuck? What the hell are you doing wearing a fucking rucksack at a gig? Literally, saw it last night. Two or three people literally turning around and smacking other people because they've got... What are you, a fucking snail? You need to have your entire fucking... You need to have your entire worldly possessions on you at all times, do you? You fucking cunt. Sort your fucking life out. How the fuck do you think it's acceptable to be wearing a fucking rucksack? At a fucking gig. Constantly knocking people over. Honestly, it was just like, well, what is this? What is, is, are you here for the gig or are you homeless and just are just staying in the warm for a bit? Somebody bought you a ticket. Seriously, absolute, total, inappropriate gig behaviour. A fucking rucksack indeed, you twat. Seriously, dickish behaviour. Sort it out, people. Sort it out. And if you see somebody... With a rucksack on, always make sure you bump into it. Always make sure that you walk, just go up to it, stand next to them and then start walking. And it just very slowly turns them round like the cunts they are and deserve to be. So, um, slight intermission there. Let's get on with the next interview I did at the gig. And that was with friend of the show. Welcome back. The one, the only, Mr. Bobby Blitz Ellsworth. That that kind of picks up from I was I had a chat with um, Eric from Flotsam outside um, uh, for a good while and he was saying exactly the same. He said like, he, he said I'm I'm pretty convinced basically there's only Metallica are doing well and everybody else is just it's just fucking struggling, you know. It's um, it is it's a it's it's a battle. It's a battle. Is this the uh, is yeah? This we're the on, mate. We're in. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, I, I mean, I feel well, you know. First and first and foremost, I feel honored. This is my my return <laughs> engagement. I think we're actually in the same position we did it in the first one. Uh, you, uh, well, same couch, maybe. I, it might be the same couch, and I've got a funny feet. I, th- I think that's about four years ago now. We, uh, but we also have a telephone one. I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, Skype it, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah, shit, shit uh, uh, yeah, it did turn into a shit show. Yeah. I do, you know, I do think it's a struggle, but um, I think there's tears, and I think there's more than just Metallica uh, that are doing well. I mean, I think it's yeah. obvious. Um, and there's that big four and then I think underneath it there's a couple of bands that do okay and make a living out of it but I think that when you start getting into the third tier uh, I think it's pretty impossible to do yeah. you know I mean it's I think in, a, in the, uh, the case of this tour by having Flotsam Destruction on the tour with us um, I think it makes it really a three-prong kind of an attack. Big time. Gets, you know, anybody who would just be laying around on the couch to think twice about it and say, hey, man. That's three headliners. Then maybe I I'm, I'm, could miss something I would never see again. Yeah. Because you start to see this shit go away. You yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, struggle or not, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still a blast. I mean, it's not, it, the struggle is worth it. I mean, I think you probably know the same thing because the struggle on any level is uh, something that feeds your soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, the greatest art comes from struggle. And I know it's a bit of a throwaway, bit of a throwaway um, uh, quote, but it's true. 
you know it's yeah. like it's the, it's, the, it's the successful people who are making the shit <laughs> it's us it's us struggling down here that are making the quality but the people are eating the shit <laughs> <laughs> and not all of them of course but uh, I, but I think you're right I think people do it for uh, the correct reasons are the ones that yeah. at least feel successful to themselves well, you've, but, uh, speaking of struggle you've had a struggle just getting in the country haven't you today not us no no Oh right, okay. Might have been the other guys, but I think it was flots. Yeah, it took them four hours to get through. We, I mean, yeah. they were behind us. Uh, they think they have a different bus driver, a newer bus driver, and you know our guy's experience. He got us on the seven forty-five, and we were eating uh, traditional English breakfast by eight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Looking out the windows, and eventually I was taking pictures of Dover <laughs> into nice. the port so no, no nice. problems so yeah so you're pretty much over that whole um, you've just been out for bangers and mash you've had your you've had your full English breakfast so um, it was actually uh, steak and ale pie so it wasn't bangers and mash I was just oh talking. right I did have mash with it but but it's something traditional uh, yeah yeah very much so very much so and it's not <laughs> uh, you're, you're one of the few Americans that I can interview who's like you know you've come over here you've, you've found the food you like <laughs> I'd like yeah. I like English food in general. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I don't know. I don't know your whole menu, obviously, but you know, <laughs> whatever I've had. I mean, this is some of the best Indian food I've ever had. Oh, uh, and that I would consider as English we do. food. Yeah, yeah. We That's... boy, we do. Well, it's it's the the number one favorite dish in the UK is chicken tikka masala fish and chips is number two okay I've done so. the fish and chips <laughs> um, so yeah I mean it's it's I, I, I guess everywhere everywhere is kind of the same though, is everywhere has it's fairly eclectic you find your big cities for sure yeah you yeah. find your traditional stuff and sure I mean I'm sure that it's very possible that the best Italian restaurant is not in Italy but could yeah. be in New York London or Paris or <laughs> yeah 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 it could be anywhere yeah, um, but it is. It's it's it, the whole thing is kind of it's you know, food culture. Everything is a lot more eclectic than say twenty five years ago. It's mixed, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, but again, I think I guess it's the internet, isn't it? I mean, you know, ultimately everybody everybody is sharing shit all the time. Yeah. So we are effectively sharing our cultures with each other. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I played. You know, I played Germany, and you 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 kind of. You know, everybody looks German. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that, that distinctive. You think of jackboots and iron cross? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what do you get? <laughs> no, I'm thinking doing bratwurst. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking that distinctive, that distinctive lack of fashion yeah, that, that, right. they, that they used to wear so well. They um, had a certain traditionalism that is uh, that has uh, thread itself through generations. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so tour's going well. You're packing out houses. I mean, I hear it's been, it's been pretty much rocking. This was a, you know, this was a chance for us. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, from our risk on it, it depended on the strength of the record, um, um, and then going out and not necessarily cutting the right deals, but taking a risk. Um, you know, guaranteeing the money for the other bands that came out on the road, Destruction of Flatsom. But putting ourselves in situations saying, we think we can do better than what you're offering us. We'll take the door. 
Right. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that type of a deal. And I think, I think it's worked out for us. I mean, it's just a business decision, but it's a risk. But um, in the places we did that, it worked out for us. I mean, that's good. It's a calculated risk, though. I mean, you know that if the record's good, and um, especially the Germans came out in droves, the Italians came out in droves. Um, oh God, the uh, Hungarians, the Poles. I mean, it was just I was off the hook. I don't think we were doing less than or close to a thousand a night. And you that's know, awesome. you know, for for the second or third tier thrash bands, that's that's pretty. Um, there's something to be proud of. I mean, yeah, not absolutely. just overkill, but I mean, obviously all three. Yeah, but I mean, right, you know, right through Europe, you know, thousand night on average, that is a, that, you know, that's awesome. No, Paris was last night. That was uh, that was over seven, um, and that that was one of the, the more compact shows. So, right. Okay. Yeah, but it sold out. But that's great. Yeah. Again, you yeah. can't, you know, you can't ask more for that selling out. And you must be, and to to have that. Um, to have that option of saying actually do you know what you know we'll, we'll, we'll take the door um, was that a is that a we're, we're just going to go without a fee altogether no it, not necessarily I mean you know we've done this for so many years that so we understand it and and there's a pattern and the pattern though is based on the record being good and accepted well and when the when the record went through Germany uh, which is really kind of uh, the epicenter uh, of the press for this yeah. uh, for this, and maybe the UK being second um, yeah. on this side of the pond. Um, if that catches fire, uh, that's insane for us. Uh, I think we did the right amount of promotion for it. We did it uh, not based on uh, the community, but based on where we came from. We did. Uh, uh, trailers and um, uh, video clips of seven to fifteen minutes from New Jersey, and sent it out and said, "This is what we are, and this is how we were when we were kids." And blah blah blah. And I think it became personal, and the record backed up what we were talking about. And um, when the Germans got their hands on it, it went to number five, um, which is our highest charting position. So we knew that our calculated risk was something that we could um, uh, bet on. All right, yeah, yeah, hang on a sec. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty weird. Well, you know, I mean, it's funny, uh, and we're just... We're, we're, we're back now, yeah, we're yeah, back. We'll get off the track a little, and it was about oxygen. I've been using oxygen since, um, for nine years, since I was 50. And um, it helps, it just, like, regenerates you instantly. Um, and, uh, but the, the, the rumors are, um, you know, it, it's either failing health, uh, a huge cocaine habit because I have to go off the side of the stage to do this. Yes. You know, and then put the mask on, get a quick blast during a guitar lead and then come out and it's just totally uh, rejuvenates. It, you know, you go from 59 to 58. No, 59. <laughs> <laughs> but you go from 59 to 25, you know, yeah. and because you just feel you feel the pump, you know, so it's, um, it's something I've, um, well, you're selling that to me. I've put it in big my time. repertoire, I'll tell you, man. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem out there with that big, and I'll tell you, the poles would give me one of those oxygen tanks that you see, I mean. In a hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could never go through that. I'm yeah, yeah. I've never like... gone through a canister. Um, but it's, um, it's something that I, I really like having because it's, uh, it's kicking the ass. So. The first time I noticed it was when you were playing with, um, when you came, you came through here with, um, Max and Igor, mm -hmm. you were doing the support slot. Over in, uh, Kentish Town. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's the first time I noticed you doing the oxygen. Yeah. Um, but, and I have to say the, um, 
I was with a with a friend of mine. We um, we were we, we used to hang out together when when Roots first came out, and she she got me tickets to the um, to the club tour and all that. And it was the, you know she was really excited about it. And um, and we we came away from the night, and I said, "So, what do you think?" And she said, um, "Just overkill blew me away." And I was like, but you haven't. I was like, yeah. that's very, that's very good of you. That's very good of you. See the way he brushes that aside, folks. Um, but it was. She was like, she was like, just blew me away. Don't know them. Never, never heard of them. Haven't heard anything by them. And I thought, and I was like, I got to tell Bobby this next time I speak mm. to him because compared with, she was going to be hearing these songs the first time in a long time. Like a, a, the the Roots album, a big, you know, which was a big thing for her. Yeah. For then to come away and say that like. Overkill took the night for her was just like wow it's a great compliment I mean you know I mean, we've always played with a chip on our shoulder I mean even from the early days when um, you know it was Rat Skates and Bobby Gustafson we played with a chip on our shoulder you know we played to win yeah. um, and, I, and I think it's something that has been a great asset to ours um, because that was uh, to, you know, to some degree for sure not my favorite record that they ever did I mean it may be the one I dislike the most um, just because of its uh, eclectic Oh God! Almost kind of native um, national vibe to it of yeah. uh, you know that those type of beats and stuff. It just took me way away from uh, beneath remains and uh, arise and you know. And the point is, is that uh, it was a great setup for what we had to offer compared to it showed contrast, yeah. which I think for yeah. an audience is a great thing. Doesn't mean oh we're better. It just means well. There will be no comparative between the two. Yeah. Um, it'll be how the people enjoy it based on difference uh, as opposed to sameness. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I, I don't, it's, that must be kind of like a nice change doing the odd sort of kind of support thing as well. Because I'd imagine, you know, pretty much most of the time you are, you're out there headlining, leading the charge. Yeah, I, 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 I really don't like support gigs. Really? No, not really. I mean, so for me, wow. I, well, I like to control my own world. I don't like it controlled by somebody else. I, you know, and it's it's maybe it's just the old man in me. It's just like, hey, man, you know, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm on my second cup. Don't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. it's eight o one. Where's that cup? You know. So it's. Uh, I think that that's. Uh, I'd rather present overkills. Overkill should be presented. Um, yeah. And, and it's because I think we do a good job. And, and I think when you take that um, demeanor uh, or that principle, uh, you always have to challenge yourself. Um, and that kind of keeps us on our toes this many years later. It's not just run of the mill, even though it may be the routine of presenting ourselves. It's not run of the mill with regard to the presentation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I, I, I absolutely get that. It's just usually people are just like, yeah, support, short set. <laughs> Get a hang out more. Yeah, not for me. Yeah, not for me. I'd rather I'd rather do it this way. It's just uh, it's easier. Um, you get the right crew. You get the right. You know, everybody falls into the groove with the set, um, and it just rolls out of you. And, and it's and it's an overkill show. And it's overkill vibe that's in the room. You know, and that to me is uh, is a really important thing. And listen, hey, it's competition. I know that. You know, Eric Eric AK is one of the best singers in this business. There's oh, just no two yeah. fucking ways about it. You yeah. Know? So that is a fucking that's a heavy competition. Now you might not be able to compare the two uh, voices or the three even with Schmier, mm -hmm. um, but you know that's a tall order for me to go out and try to take on and beat. 
you know. Uh, now maybe the band can beat the other band, but can I beat this guy? And okay, the band's gonna. <laughs> but uh, that's that's healthy competition. You know, you know, you know the audience around there don't give a shit, right? No, they don't give a shit, but I do. <laughs> And hey, come on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's no. all about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Lead Singers Union here. Not a problem. Not a problem. Um, <laughs> no, but that's really interesting that you that, um, that, that, that competitive edge is, is kind of like, that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps you kicking ass after all these years is, is that kind of, that mentality of like, no, it's mine. You know, I don't want anyone taking it away from me. Yeah, you can have it, but you have to take it. That's the thing. It's not going to yeah. be given. You have to pry out my cold dead hand. Hey, let me tell you something. I mean, I, I'm always asked about the younger, fresh generation and their bands, and I always say, hey, somebody will eventually arise out of that and throw away the templates of the 80s uh, to, you know, which they've dropped themselves in. I've never heard, for instance, an Overkill copy, but shit, I've read Slayer copies and Exodus copies and Metallica copies. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, they're in that template. If they want to rise above that, uh, whatever you learned from the template, take with you. But uh, it has yeah, to be sound. has to be original yeah. somewhere in there. And in our day, um, you know, when 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 Acid Rain's was out and Overkill had, had been out for a few years, one of the things that we all had was individuality with regard to lead vocals. Love us mm -hmm. or hate us, yeah. You knew who Array was, you know. You knew yeah. who Hatfield was, you, you know. You knew who Zetro was, and yeah. and I think that that was something about that originality where uh, somewhere and, and, and not and you know not not to give ourselves kudos but to say hey maybe that's something you should be thinking about in the current day uh, yeah no I, I, I absolutely agree and, and I'm, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take some of that reply the next time I'm asked about the new school thrash bands because you know being old school myself I'm I'm asked about it as well and 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 my 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 one thing I always have to offer is I'm I, I'm, I'm hearing stuff I've heard before played really well undoubtedly you know and yeah. arranged differently but, but there's nothing that's making me go oh wow yeah you yeah. know like like I did when I heard those bands, you know those original bands. Well, and that's that's what I want to hear. I, I you know I agree with you. And I, I think one of the bands was uh, out of the UK that I thought I, I think they're coming back doing a new record because they broke up for a while, and they're not a new band. But I, I man, when I I swear to God, I said if the, if there is a next one, it's Evi. Right. Know? Yeah. And and I and I thought to myself because it's not just sure there's parts that remind you of Metallica sure there's grooves sure they go into the the heavy double bass stuff yeah. um, but there, there was something in there that I said if they just develop a couple more records they were gonna mm. they you know they might have had the right to take the crown you they, know? Are, they are working on an album at the moment I heard yeah I yeah, yeah. recently heard yeah yeah I had um, um, I had all on the podcast and um, he was really uh, yeah he's, he's really um, he's really up for it but um, funnily enough he did the interview and he mentioned that he was hoping to have an album out he was hoping that they'd get an album out in 2020 and then he's followed up by saying that looks unlikely now um, so yeah people are just going to have to hang in there and wait but um, but yeah yeah there there is um, there, there is a I, I couldn't agree more about just bring bring your game yeah you know you know, bring what bring what you do to all of that stuff that you like yeah. and everything else, and create and create a new sound. I think, I think somewhere, um, as I remember, and I can, only in hindsight, I could never have said I, I saw this coming. 
um, I, I remember where we kind of started becoming overkill. You know, I mean, and there's chapters of overkill. One ends with the years of K, for instance. And I think that that's when we started becoming overkill. Um, and I think, that, you know, we didn't take the flag, but we own part of it then. And I think that if a band that's a younger band wants the flag or wants a piece of it, they got to take it. It's, it's that competition thing. Nobody's just yeah. going to hand it to you because we're retiring. Oh, we're retiring. Here's the flag. Oh, great. Now I get to be number one. Go fuck yourself. You got to come <laughs> over here. You got to grab it. And yeah. and that you know that proves your metal. I think you know, and that uh, that proves the reason why you do it. You know. Well, also because you've, people have got to you've you've got to go out. People have got to get you. You've got to go out there and grab people, because just because Slayer retires doesn't mean that Overkill's sales go up. You know, no, it it's just doesn't at all. No. Yeah, it, 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 you, it's just all about pretty much just delivering your vision, delivering your sound, and having and having faith in it. Yeah. To go back to what we were talking about earlier, and having you know having faith in it. Yeah. Um, and, and and having a good understanding of the scene, I think I think probably the, the, there's a there's a missing aspect of uh, the '80s, '90s, and the current day, and that's. Uh, the social element. Uh, the, the social element in the 80s was handshaking. Uh, yeah. It was something hugely important that, you know, whether it be talking to three girls because you thought they were cute and, you know, at, yeah. you know, at a gig and yeah. uh, or, or somebody else's show yeah. or, you know, or, you know, uh, the Overkill guys going to see the Acid Rain guys play, yeah. you know, their gig um, and, and you know, mixing in there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, and going to the bar and uh, yep. handing out flyers. Well, you know, I know it's a different world. And I'm, I'm not saying my way was better. I'm just saying that was an element that gave us the, um, the element of uh, reality, of being real people. People that, you know, that you touched, not yeah. that you read about um, or uh, connected with, uh, you know, uh, via digital information and, yeah and it's uh it's one of the missing elements um, in many things not just music but for sure it helped us i mean obviously we've re reinvented ourselves to share digital information or otherwise we're left behind we become yeah. the dinosaur yeah but the um uh, so we've accepted that uh, but the uh, that is something that is uh is just missing in the formula in, in the current day yeah, without a doubt, and I, I think it also means that um, you know bands can end up in kind of silos as well. You know, in, 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 instead of that whole, um, I mean, I, I remember you know touring, meeting bands. We just always, you, if you weren't playing a show, you were at somebody else's show, but you were still you were you, you were you were still gig you involved. You know, yeah, 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 in the mix. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And Necessary. just Yeah, but you had to. Absolutely. You had to. Um, but like you say, you know, we're not saying any we're not saying one's better than the other. Mm. Times change, things move on, you know, we accept that. Well um, I, when I went to school I walked uphill. To school and back. It was both uphill. And in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was harder for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to go into the four Yorkshiremen sketch, the old Monty Python thing. We used to live in a box. We dreamed of living in a box. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, that's uh, so. Um, so, how are you feeling? Well, you know, health-wise, you said you're healthy. You feeling good? Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get you get road sick, but it's not. Uh, you know, as long as you're hydrated and um, you know, take care of yourself. I mean, it's, you know, it's harder to do as you're older. 
I mean, this is yeah. for sure. This should be a young man's game. You know, I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm not so stupid to say, oh, no, everything is perfect. And of course, it's not fucking perfect. I'm fucking 59, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm 60 pretty soon. I mean, the, the every point... Every day above ground, Bobby. Every day. But, the, and, and, but I think I celebrate it with the fact that uh, it's still there for the 90 minutes. You know, that's really the important part of it, you know, for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, some decent food, some decent rest, some uh, hydration can make that 90 minutes happen. And some yeah. more oxygen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just getting onto that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's 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 amazing. So, where did you just where did you discover the oxygen first? Who you know who sort of? Well, I got sick uh, on the road. And it was just something awful, and um, and I was on this like oxygen therapy for you know four or five days, um, and it just was like everything felt great, and um, so we started just started adding it to the rider. Uh, wherever we could get it um, without prescription, you know, right, yeah. or, or without some kind of a, a legality that required, um, you know, us to fill out forms and get a, you know, a, a doctor's examination. But it, it, I think probably the first time uh, was because I, after I felt better, it was only a few weeks, it wasn't something, you know, mm. it was a health scare, but it was, but uh, we we're going to South America and I was checking elevations and uh, we're going to Colombia, and I was like, "All right, eight thousand fucking feet, huh?" <laughs> it's like planes fly pretty much around this level. Yeah. So I said, "That's going to help, just from the thinness of it." So we added yeah. it at that show in a, I mean, showing over like gangbusters, you know. So it was, uh, and I had all the energy in the world. So it was, we said, "It's a winner on one try. It's a winner." So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. Since Slayer came out, and since Slayer meant came out and said they were retiring, have you um, have you have you has that been a recurring question that you've then that's knocked on to you guys? Are you getting asked that at all? Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. I mean, I suppose it was the news, and you know, whatever they do, they do. I mean, good for them. You know, I mean, they made their mark. Um, had a huge, uh, I'd say, more than made their mark. Yeah, you know, I mean, they've. And look, uh, look, and looks like they're going to be around making their mark for a, for a, for a little while. Yeah. Let me tell you something. They're, they're they're not really a thrash metal band. They're a subgenre of a thrash metal band that is unto themselves. Yes. Um, absolutely. And, and those who use their template. Uh, but um, you know, and yeah. I think that that's a that, that's a great accolade to give them is uh, to to show the greatness of that band. Uh, and I'm not asking, and I'm just saying, sorry, there is only one slide. Oh, just the way it works. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, well, uh, I'm. I, I remember speaking to Malcolm Dome um, last year. We were talking about, um, and he he said, he said I think from 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 an actual from from the metal world, so I think Slayer are responsible for 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 more than Metallica. So Metallica were a thrash band who became huge and are now the biggest metal band in the world. Slayer started how many genres? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, I mean that's a great point. You know, you you go all the way back. It's like, yeah, there well, they are at the bottom there. Metallica you know? was a, a, a thrash band that almost became, you know, redefined, almost redefined heavy pop. You know, <laughs> heavy rock and roll. I mean, they, you know, they yeah. were appealing to to uh, um, uh, hordes of people that had no interest in Slayer or Exodus or Overkill or yeah. Testament. They had no interest. It was just only about Metallica. That was all it was. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, you know, the casual, uh, the rock fan who is an ACDC freak but could care less about any other hard rock. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? It's, um, so, 
uh, yeah, I think a real important contribution just by... Uh, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I mean, it's... It is what it is. I mean, I saw, I, I've seen him... First time I saw him, I was 16. I just went for the last time, uh, end of last year. And it was a fucking awesome show. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. awesome show. Or inspiring, I think. That's always the... I mean, I saw them in New York with my wife, uh, with uh, Lamb of God and Behemoth. Yeah, I so saw Lamb and God, Anthrax, and an obituary. Okay. Okay. And it's nice to see them taking out, yeah, taking out some some old school and you yeah. know, Lamb of God is kind of new school and, yeah. but really making it a you know a, a big ticket event. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what was it like when you saw it? Uh, I guess Felt Forum is. Um, they call it the theater at Madison Square Garden. It used to be the Felt Forum. They used to do fights in there and stuff. Uh, 5,000? Right. You know, sold out. Wow. So, it wasn't a two-night thing, but it was, and this is probably a year and a half ago when they first started this run. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, I saw them in the last year, so probably about a year on from when you from when you saw them. But um, still, you know, still amazing. Still a, still a great show. And um, y- you guys just never quit, do you? Every two years, regular as clockwork. Yeah. Every two years, here it is. Yeah. Here's a new overkill album. I mean, it works for us. I mean, it keeps us visible. Um, yeah. And, and to some degree, if we, you know, we were just talking about the tour and uh, the successes um, in the East, the successes in Germany, Netherlands was eleven or 1,200 people. I mean, they, you know, these successes uh, could be attributed to that routine. Uh, that, you know, there's a, there's a certain dependability with that principle. Um, I mean, not everybody loves every record, but the... Jeez, man, I mean, we've been on a hell of a run since 2010, you know, where people have took notice. But I think they're taking notice uh, because the scene's healthy, too. You know, I mean, mm. it's a healthy scene. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, if anybody's prepared for a healthy scene, it's a band that didn't take the 90s off. You know, we didn't we didn't take the late 90s and early 2000s off, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, we worked through that thing. So when it did get healthy, um, we, were, we were kind of ready for it, you know, so... So it's, uh, I think that every two-year repetition for us kind of works, gives us visibility, uh, keeps us touring. You know, we've come back over here, uh, you know, since uh, then. I mean, we were at the Camden Underground for a couple of gigs in, uh, you know, the mid-2000s, and have been coming back ever since, but haven't been here for 10 years prior to that, you know, so yeah. so actually kind of cool. Yeah, because you've, you've, you know, you've, you've built it. You know, yeah, you built yeah. it because, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I know, I'm, I think I've mentioned this before. I think that I, I saw you guys playing with Halloween in um, uh, in Manchester all those years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, and you, yeah, there was a, there was a big chunk of time where you just, you know, Overkill ain't, ain't coming over here, and then you all of a sudden you kind of like started, and now yeah. you, you know. You're a regular. I was going to say a fixture. That's a bit of that's a bit of an insult, really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's a fixture, but for sure, um, it becomes a regular vacation stop for us, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. And maybe you know, we're talking about opening for those guys and doing uh, Kentish Town at the Forum was yeah. You know, maybe it was a good thing for us. You know, I mean, oh hell yeah. You know, in hindsight, I mean, they, you know, I, I didn't want to open for them. Uh, but that, that, I mean, no insult to that. Did, did, you, did you get outvoted then? Uh, no, we signed a contract and they switched the band on us. I mean, the original band oh. was supposed to be somebody else. And they said, you're already on the contract. And then they inserted this. 
uh, they had started the Roots thing. We were like, hey, we didn't sign up for this thing. And they said, we're going to sue your ass if you... <laughs> So, wow! So that's the way business works, and uh, so you don't get you don't get to tell me who the band was originally. The, the opener doesn't get to choose the headliner. They yeah. said this is going to be the headliner, but the headliner had never signed, so it was just that simple. I mean, it was no, there was no like uh, animosity or anything. We just yeah. we didn't sign up for this configuration. We were presented something different. So probably if there's fault with it, it's us signing it before the configuration was actually concrete and and yeah. in hindsight again i think it worked out for us because yeah. you know very simply what your friend said uh, yeah. that night i think others did too i think people and people came out people came out for you big time at that show as well that was a great I mean, show yeah that was it was a, i remember a girl in like the fifth row looked like debbie harry from blondie you know and she had the dark lipstick on and the hair roll, and she's like on the top of the crowd and i'm like debbie harry is crowd surfing <laughs> Never in my fucking Brilliant. dreams. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I, no, it, it was. It, I just wanted to ask, what time do you need to be wrapped up by? Because you've got two more. Um, oh yes. Sorry to no, no, not at all. Not I don't all. know. Um, you t you tell me when you need to. You I think know. we're going to have to cut it because we're on early. I think. You're on at twenty past nine. Twenty past nine. It's up to you. Yeah, wrap it yeah. up in five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Five minutes? Yeah, okay. no worries. I'll be back in five minutes. Great. Thank okay. you. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's all right. No problem. You're on the air. Yeah, yeah. All that's staying in, by the way, Claire. Shit. <laughs> Claire is on the air. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, that, I, I think that totally worked for you. But sometimes fuck-ups turn out not to be fuck-ups, oh. don't they? I mean, how many times has that happened in the studio? Someone does something and they go, oh, you know, sorry about that, or I need to do that again. And everyone else is like... No, you don't. Keep it. Yeah. Double it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't. I don't know what I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shit. I, I that sounds like my whole summer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's kind of like, I'm really intrigued. I'm really intrigued to find out who the headline band was before. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to just... Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is, I believe me, this is no shock to uh, the Cavalier boys. I mean, that's, no, no. I mean, that's their thing. I, I just thought it was going to be something different. Yeah. But in, you know, in hindsight, we were the, I mean, they were the artistic bunch and we were the, you know, we were the sledgehammer. So it kind of worked out for us for anybody coming to see a sledgehammer. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, yeah. That we were prepared. So. Yeah, no, but I, I, they, look, people, were, people who wanted to see that thing were there for that thing and people who wanted to see you guys were there for you guys and I think there was a you know a fairly small you know if you look at a Venn diagram there's a very small sort of crossover of people yes. who were there to see both but I think I think um, it opened the eyes of, of both sides but that's but I mean we've got to do more of that you know there's, there's a place for overkill you know um, destruction flots but there's also a place for you know, playing to other people's crowds. Yeah. You know? It's, it's kind of hard, I think, in, in the current day. So I think that you're probably right that that situation was uh, unique unto itself. Mm. I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, we've gone out, we took Nile out a few years ago, and that's a little different to, uh, we took him out to the States, and it was a great tour because we were, you know, we were grabbing from the death guys who were born of thrash riffs, you know, at yeah. one time or another in their life. And, it, and the young death kids were going, this is good, you know. Uh, this overkill stuff is good. So it was a it was a really uh, packed tour in the states. We actually did one with Symphony X. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So I mean, just for the gray area mentality. <laughs> every, every night you got to be on it. Yeah, These guys are, are virtuosos of what they do. I mean, they're really yeah. they're progressive. Russell's great singer. Awesome. Um, and and Mike Romeo, gosh, and uh, I mean, forget about it. Um, 
then and then the year prior it was Overkill Creator through the states. But that's you know that's just cousins from another mother. Oh, Speezy says we're brothers from another mother. <laughs> That's, that's a, that is heaven right there for, yeah. for any kind of like you know North American thrash fan well, that and, that, just, and that's the mentality of this yeah know, absolutely this yeah. Abs- oh there's without doubt there's like well you know I made the point to Eric and I, I might have even mentioned it to you already it's, it's three it's three headliners yeah come on you could be at any point you could be you could be buying a ticket with any one of these bands as the headline act I think I so, think you're right yeah you know so right. so for the UK I think it's I think it's a real treat a yeah. real treat, yeah. um, and it's uh, yes, yeah, three ba- three bands who didn't take the nineties off. It's <laughs> like I've been around forever, you know. It's very very cool. It's very very cool. Well, look, Bobby, I could talk to you all day, but you oh, know how pleasure. it is. I really appreciate your time. I really do. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Very good. Yeah. Nice to see you again. Stay tonight. Oh, of course. And yeah. thank you very much for uh, for putting that email in about our album as well. Yeah, yeah, very that's right. I didn't know that you actually had those contacts, but. Uh, what a top man. And he even didn't mind me going back in and asking some more questions because I'd forgotten to ask the Patreon questions. Because, of course, Patreon listeners get to ask their own questions prior to the interview. They give them to me. I ask them and then they get their very own Bolo cast every month. It's only $5, folks. Actually, I think it's $6 including tax. It's less than a couple of coffees. It's certainly less than a couple of beers. You get a shed load of content. Whenever I meet bollockers, they all seem to be really happy. The, the, the patrons always seem to be really happy with the content that I'm providing. Um, it's very cheap. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. There you can sign up. Um, that There is also a link on the Twitter account. Um, there's a link on the Facebook account and that will take you straight to Patreon. If you want to become a patron, it'd be really cool. Um, helps me out a a great deal. Yesterday, um, it cost me £18.20 to park in Islington for two hours. What? Say fucking what? £18.20. Admittedly, I've got, oh yeah, I've got a diesel car from way back in 2015. Yeah, that's right. It's only four years old. But I get screwed an extra 25% by those cunts that are Ealing fucking London, London Borough of Islington. Not Ealing, that's where I live, you stupid cunt, Howard. It, it's, it, I tell you what, it's good to have the cunts back, isn't it? it I, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the power of cunt. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm digging down. I'm feeling it in my very bones. It's fucking awesome. The power of cunt. And the cunts at the London Borough of Islington... Yeah, charge 25, I think it's 25%, it might be less than that, but it's a fuck of a lot more than everybody, because I've got a four-year-old diesel, you fucking twats. Anyway, uh, halfway through the interview with Bozzy, Bobby there as well, I realised that my parking had expired, because because the whole timing, initially, I, was, I ended up interviewing him um, an hour after I was supposed to, um, and then, was it an hour? Shit, no, it was about an hour and a half, hour and 40, whatever. But it turned out my I, I was going to get a parking ticket. My parking was going to expire whilst I was interviewing Bo- uh, Bobby. And I just thought, oh, fuck it. Never mind. Just put it out of my mind. And when I came out, I hadn't got a ticket. Result. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, feel free to join Patreon and help me pay for my parking when I go and interview people. It would be nice of you if you would do that. I would really like it. Also, remember, if you're a live show, shout out bollocks. And if somebody shouts bollocks back, you shout bollocks.
bollocks back. You shout talking bollocks. You shout talking bollocks, bollocks, bollocks back, talking bollocks. Try that at some gigs. It'd be nice to hear that going on. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously, as you've uh, as you've as you've figured out, I'm coming towards the end of the podcast. Uh, one other thing I wanted to fucking talk about, actually, fucking talk about. There's really no need for that. Um, that um, uh, that yeah. Uh, this is this is unbelievable. This is completely unbelievable. But this actually happened. Um, I mentioned on the last episode about the uh, Frank Zappa hologram. Now I think I think that could potentially work because it's basically it's not, you know, it's it's not what the Dio hologram is, which is an embarrassment. It's more of a it's more of an experience. Hence, it's called the experience, right? And there is some uh, there is some cartoon penguins that appear. On the album, uh, on the sorry, on the um, uh, on the publicity, and Ticketmaster cited the image of, image for having so-called questionable content. That's right, cartoon penguin buttocks is what they found really offensive. I mean, what utter fuck? I mean, if you if you needed, if you really needed another reason to hate the thieving, legalised ticket tout cunts that are Ticketmaster, if you needed another reason, and you shouldn't need one, but if you needed one, isn't that another one? And as Amit Zappa put it, if you're someone that can't enjoy the absurdity and humour of bringing Frank's music and lyrics to life via holograms, such as penguins in bondage, talking hot dogs and supernatural dental floss, then this show might not be your cup of tea. In response to Ticketmaster, I resubmit the, t- the, po- the poster artwork with our newly updated warning... Uh, guarantee... Uh, uh, our new updated warning... Guarantee hiding the buttocks of the cartoon penguin... I mean, seriously, Ticketmaster? The words of Amit Zapper himself. I couldn't agree more. What a, what a fucking absolute set of cunts. I mean, it, it really... Why would anyone need another reason to hate Ticketmaster? But isn't that just one? Isn't that just a perfect fucking reason? Um, so anyway, folks, um, we are coming towards the end of the... Um, of of said podcast slash bollocast, and um, I got I, I, thanks again to Pete Gray for that name. Um, it is it is superb. It really fucking is. Oh oh god, can't go before I forget. Murder in the front row. I have the book. They've turned it into a movie. Trailer looks awesome. It looks fucking awesome. Try and track it down wherever you can. There is a there is a trailer on um, on YouTube. I don't know I don't know where it's available for streaming or anything like that. But seriously, the book is great. the The trailer looks awesome and looks like it's actually doing the the, the book some real real justice. So whatever you do. Whatever you do, make sure you try and track that down. Um, now, we are going to come towards the end of the podcast. So before before I go into the actual ending, I want to say, as always, thank you very much to all of you for just being there, for listening to the podcast, for listening to the Bollocast, for signing up at Patreon, for tweeting, for getting on the Facebook page. Thank you. I really appreciate it. For listening to Bollocks Radio on YouTube, I, I just need you to please... Please, please spread the word. Please. Figures are stagnating. It's really, really getting to the stage where 
I need to see some growth. I need you, please, in any way you can, just share this shit. Just share it. In fact, go old school. Remember back in the day when I told you to take phones off people and open their podcast players and subscribe to Talking Bollocks? Start doing that again, please. Um, If you happen to be passing on iTunes, or as I like to call it, massive cunt tunes, but if you happen to be there... You know, don't make a special trip, but if you happen to be there, look up Talking Bollocks and just, if you can sling a review there, that would be great. I would really appreciate it. Anything any of you can do, whether it's signing up at Patreon, whether it's sharing content, telling people about the the podcast, I would really, really appreciate it. Please. It's so difficult getting a message out there. I know that from being in a band. The amount of Acid Rain fans have got no fucking idea. They realise there's this thing called Talking Bollocks. They've got no idea it's me doing a fucking bollocast. On... But there you go. So please, please, please help. I really, really, really do appreciate everything you do. I really do. I appreciate the support. But if you can help, that'd be great. And it's going to be awesome to see some of you um, in... uh, Oh, no, there's no point in me saying that because this will have come out by it's happened. Um, I will have already... I will have already done... Probably already done my... um, uh, my spoken word show, the uh, Tales from the Book of Thrash, which is going to be in um, Bridgend, Bridgend Hobos, which I love. Um, we've, put, it's, I think it's my third time there, so it's very cool. But that's um, uh, yeah. So any, thanks to everybody who came along to that. There you go. I've actually found a way to make that make sense. Um, thanks for everyone who came along to that. Thank you all very much, very, very much for your support. Um, and finally. I didn't want to start with this. I didn't want to put it anywhere else. And it is going to lead to a piece um, that I'm going to be putting on the end of the podcast. Um, It's time to talk about Keith. Keith Flint. Keith Flint, who passed away, um, was an absolute one of a kind. Um, The Prodigy were a one of a kind. I mean, to think that there's a band out there that can headline um, dance, trance, metal, festivals can play anywhere and be embraced and loved and welcomed is absolutely unbelievable. Um, uh, Jace, uh, our, uh, the, who's producing the Acid Rain album, he, um, he, had, he, he, knew, he met Keith a few times, friends of friends, um, and a, a few people that I've met. In fact, some of the, the guests, friend of mine, Giz Butt, who was in Prodigy for a while, um, he, he found out as well, and he's obviously... Felt it hard. And I just really, you know, 49, one year older than me, singer in a band, suicide. Seems to be we're losing a lot of singers in bands, guys. And um, it's not good. It's really not. And of a certain age as well. We do need to talk. We need to talk more um, about mental health. But um, before I do say that, I saw this. I saw this about Keith and I thought it was a lovely way to sum him up. Keith Flint, but a fire once started, lights those who are warmed by its flames, and it's their duty to bear it forwards even when that spark has died, because in it we live forever. And I just thought that was absolutely beautiful and a really fitting tribute to Keith Flint. And we need to talk about mental health, guys. And I don't want to end on a downer because I love you all. And I, I do want you all to go away and have a wonderful, wonderful month until I speak to you again. Um, there's a little bit on the end here that I need you to listen to, which I'm sure you're going to find very, very interesting. Um, this is the first time 
that I, it's been on the Bollocast. This is the first time I'm sharing this with you. Be safe. See ya. Hi guys, it is I, Howard Smith, Howard H. Smith nonetheless, from uh, Acid Rain. I also have the podcast Talking Bollocks, please do check it out sometime. Um, And I do comedy, um, uh, stand-up comedy as well, so uh, yeah, busy guy. And um, it's nice to be uh, it's nice to be back on the show. Thanks a lot to DJ Squatter for having me back on as always. Um, and um, I've uh, I've spoken uh, I've spoken on the podcast a few uh, a few times about um, about things. And I did, uh, one particular um, uh, one that I did that seemed to resonate with quite a few people was about mental health and my own struggles um, with uh, with with a particularly bad bout of depression um, and how I managed to kind of turn things round. Well, um, today is a, a similar-ish conversation, but it's a bit of an odd one, so please bear with me. Um, I was having a conversation with a, uh, a female friend who lives in the US, and we were having a chat, and she mentioned something in the conversation. Or rather, no, I mentioned something in the conversation, and she said, oh, that's interesting, because I'm, I, you know, I react the same way to that. Um, and it was a particular medication. And she said, and that formed part of my adult ADHD diagnosis. And I was like, well, what? Yeah, 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 what now? I thought ADHD was something that kids had and you gave them Ritalin and everything was fine again. Um, and, and being American, they're ahead of us, they're, you know, they're, they're ahead of the curve on this one. It was only really generally accepted in medical opinion um, as recently as 10 years ago that ADHD does not go away. If, like me, I mean, I'm 48, coming up 49, um, when I was going to the school, when I was going to school as, as, as a child, it was, the, it was the 70s and 80s. And um, it wasn't really, you know, ADHD wasn't really a, a, a thing that people looked for in kids. And, um, and of course... Like anything else, it, 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 um, if it goes untreated, it doesn't just go away. People learn to live with it. Um, and I quite clearly have, have, have learned to live with it. Well, the, anyway, what happened was she, she mentioned this and straight a, a couple of days ago, it, it bounced around in my head and I thought, I'm going to go and, on the internet and do a little bit of a search. And I found this, um, I found a, a thing on, you know, ADHD and how it's present in children and adults and all And within two minutes of reading about ADHD in children and how it affects them and the, the behaviours, it was like reading a school report. It, was, it wasn't just, like, close. I didn't recognise a few things. I was just, this is me. This is, this is me as a child. Absolutely. Easily distracted, distracts others, clearly intelligent but doesn't do the work, willing participant in um, in lessons, um, struggles with written work. And it, it's not it's not that I'm struggling. I'm struggling to actually to, to 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 be able to do it, to have the will to do it, because what I was unable to do was connect with subjects that didn't interest me. I couldn't just do the work. I had to be interested. I had to be engaged. And if I wasn't, I wasn't going to do the work. I just, it, 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 it's, it. So anyway, I, I read this and I thought, wow, that's, that's really interesting. And then uh, I went and did an online um, quiz. And on there it says, you know, this is not a diagnosis. This is not a medical diagnosis. This is only a guide. And um, it was a, it was about 50 odd questions. And um, 
if you got between 20 and 30, you were okay. If you got over 30, between 30 and 40, you had some issues. Um, anything over 40, then you should, you know, look at potentially uh, an ADHD diagnosis. And I got 51 out of 54. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I, I thought, right, do you know what? I need to, I need to sort this out. And I went to see my GP and he said, um, I've got a very cool GP who's a very, very nice guy. And he said, look, um, adult ADHD, or as I call it, ADHD. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it, it, there's no need for the extra A. It's not A-A-D-H-D. It's ADHD. Um, it's undiagnosed from being a child. So, you know, you don't, call, you don't call a child with a broken leg, oh, it's a child's broken leg. It's a broken leg. Same way you don't call an adult's broken leg, an adult broken leg. Yeah, I'm going on, but you get the picture. So anyway, um, th- there you go. There's a perfect example of ADHD right there. Can't stick to the subject, can I? Got to go off on a tangent. Anyway, um, he said, look, the, 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 the NHS is rubbish for this. Um, go private. So I said, OK, thanks for your honesty. I went private. I rang um, reception uh, of a place in Harley Street and the woman on reception straight away knew more about ADHD in adults, as I'm going to call it, um, than anybody I'd spoken to since. And I thought, wow, this is great. And then I realised, of course, it's part of the sales process, isn't it? You know, they, they, they're, they're showing off how much they know already. So I just hand over. So anyway, at £750 an appointment, folks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wasn't going to do that. So what I did was I got on the internet and I started searching adult ADHD NHS and I can't remember exactly the search terms, but I found a hospital in the Maudsley Hospital over in South London that specialises in outpatient, in adult ADHD. So I thought, right, okay. I went back to see my doctor and I said, uh, oh no, I asked for a telephone appointment. I rang through and I said, look, I've spoken to these people um, I'm in the London Borough of Ealing. They say they accept referrals from London Borough of Ealing. Um, can you refer me? And he said, yep, yeah, no problem. Send the email to reception. I'll go online, fill in, fill in the referral. No problem. Great. Lovely. Job done. Um, but then we have to wait for the local authority to approve funding for me to be able to go over there. Got the funding. Uh, went over there. And at this point, I have to say... I, you know, I, my, 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 my GP is, is very cool. He's got a million and one things to do. Why? He's never going to have time to sit on the internet and try and find somewhere for me to go. But I kind of felt like that was my job. Look, if I want to get out of this hole, if I want to get a diagnosis, then it's up to me. So what I'm saying is if any of you out there, if any of this is ringing any bells and you want to go down the same route, be warned. Not everybody's as cool as my GP. They're all, there's some horrendous stories of, of, of GPs sitting there laughing at people going, oh, ADHD is only, it's, it's, it's only, it's something that only children have. Don't be so silly. And what you do is you punch those idiots right in the face. Um, you don't, and I'm not recommending that. But I decided to go on this quest and find somewhere that I could get to. And then, I, and then we got the funding approved. I went for two interviews, both an hour and a half, both with clinical psychologists. I had to fill in over 60 questions and I had to print them out and I had to read them and tick the boxes. Have you any idea how hard that is when you've got ADHD? Or well, or have I? Let's wait and see. <laughs> I think you know where this is heading. Uh, so, um, so I mean, I felt like turning up with all the, I felt like turning up with these like 10 pages of 60 questions and completely unfilled in and going, how's that for ADHD for you? I ain't filling that out. Um, 
So, um, so I filled them out. I also had to send forms to my mother who filled forms out about my childhood. Um, they wanted school reports. I didn't have any, unsurprisingly. I ain't gonna keep those. Not very flattering. Um, but um, uh, about halfway through the second appointment, the psychologist turned around to me and said, look, just, just not to keep you hanging on, yes, you have ADHD. And I was like, yeah, I know. And she was like, oh, really? And I said, yeah, I, I knew, I knew as soon as I started reading about it, 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 it was it was just me. I, I can't tell you how unsurprising this diagnosis is. It is just straight away. I was just, yeah, that's that's me. And and really, this has just been a quest to confirm what I think I already knew. And I did. Um, now, ADHD can raise its its ugly head in all sorts of different ways. Luckily for me, I'm a creative person and a lot of creative people. I was told I was the ninth comedian that this this particular psychologist had seen within the last two years. So there you go. Now, luckily for me, I'm quite a creative person. So my ADHD is manifested in being very creative and doing all sorts of different projects. And I mean, you know, I'm self-employed and I I have about six different things that I do. So, you know... so that that's all very well, but um, basically, some of those questions were quite disturbing in the in the forms leading up to diagnosis. There was a lot of questions there about um, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, how often you you drink, how often you do drugs, um, problems with the law, prison sentences. You see, this is how destructive ADHD can be in an adult because ADHD. Um, can it can be it manifests its ways it manifests itself in several ways for instance one of the questions that kept coming up is do you feel almost driven by a motor now for those of you who have got no idea what i'm talking about that will not resonate with you at all you you'll think well what, what does that question even mean however if you have adhd you see that and you tick yes all the time um there are other things. People with ADHD tend to have their own um, uh, their own set of laws. They, they they you know and often for instance, I do not queue, right? People with ADHD do not queue. You see a queue and you just think, yeah, that's not for me. If I'm in a traffic jam, I will take a detour. That detour may take me. I might even arrive later than if I'd sat in the traffic jam, but I cannot sit in the traffic jam. Cannot. Not. I, it's not that I, it's not that I'm refusing to. It's that I cannot. Um, I can be very forgetful, losing keys. Often um, I'll leave something that's vitally important to a project. I'll, I'll have missed it or I'll have left it out, um, and it can be incredibly frustrating. Um, and yeah, that's just that it, it manifests in all sorts of different ways. But as I said, having our own kind of sets of of rules means that some people tend to break certain society's rules, like laws. So whilst I say I'm lucky as a creative person, ADHD is, is uh, I, I, for me, I feel like it's been a, a, almost like a benefit. I don't think I would have got my band signed to a record label at 17 if I was stuffed full of Ritalin. Um, but uh, it can be destructive untreated it can manifest itself in all sorts of ways it can lead to not being able to hold jobs down constantly changing jobs um brushes with the law alcoholism drug addiction i mean wow i mean for me i kind of feel like you know the side effects for me have been positive but having said that the older i get and it's being untreated 
there are things that I would like to address. I find it very, very, very difficult to concentrate on written work, which can be a real frustration when I'm working on a project. Um, and it, it, it's, it, it really can, it can also mean that I had to be honest with myself and think, wow, I look back at all of the relationships I've ever been in and I, and I figured that basically until the last relationship I was in, funnily enough, a couple of years ago, I have been the one who has been chucked every single time. And, and I have to admit that that is, that is down to, um, it can be very wearing being around people who have ADHD. Um, uh, people who have ADHD tend to, tend to uh, gravitate towards other people who have ADHD because, you, it, 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 like I said, it can be very wearing. You can get worn out by somebody who's got ADHD because they are just on all the time. And I, and I accept that. And, and that must be very difficult to live with and be around all the time. I've had a number of long distance relationships in my life. Um, that makes sense to me now because that's me in small doses. And, and those, those long distance relationships have, have last lengthy times. But it's me in small doses. It's not them having to having me in their face all the time. I mean, I often joke about, you know, well, you know, if you, if you think it's bad for you, just think how it is for me. I have to live with me. And, and that's, that's kind of become less of a joke and more of a reality as, as time has moved on and as I've received my, my ADHD diagnosis. So um, initially I was, um, how is it treated, I hear you say? Well, it's treated with, um, basically it's a, it's a neurological disorder, um, which my psychiatrist told me when I, when, when I was really not bothered about the diagnosis. And she said, well, no, it, you know, it is a, it is a you know, neurological disorder. And I was like, look, you're not going to make me, you're not going to get me to feel bad about this. I'm fine. I'm fine. But um, the way it's treated is with my old friend, CBT, which is tweaked, especially for people with ADHD, which is why CBT was so useful to me when I was in a bout bout of severe depression previously in life and why I took to it like a duck to water. Um, But it can also be treated with certain medication. And initially I was reluctant to, to go down that route, but I have actually this week decided to give it a go because I figure, well, what harm can it do? If I don't, if I, basically I was told, you know, there is medication that will help you concentrate, which would be awesome, but they couldn't speak to how it might affect my uh, creativity. Um, So initially I was very, it was a knee-jerk reaction. I was quite blinkered, I have to say. It was like, medication, not a chance. I'm not doing it. But then I've just thought, it, well, it can't hurt. And I can always come off it if I, if, if I don't like what it does to me. But it really, I shouldn't rule anything out at this stage. So um, anyone who's spotting the things I'm talking about, either in themselves or in people you know, or in your children, you know, for instance, being loud. At, I mean, ADHD, when I was a kid, would have been called ants in your pants. Okay, and it's not just it's you know ADHD is uh, is attention uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. There's also ADD, which is um, uh, attention deficit disorder. There you go. So little attention. I can't remember what it's called, but um, 
if you're recognizing any of this, like say um, a uh, just constantly being on the move, talking a lot, uh, getting up and walking around when there doesn't seem to be when when you shouldn't do or there doesn't seem seem to need to be, kids who love climbing all the time and can't resist climbing on stuff. I mean, look, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not saying you know that 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 children can't be hyperactive and, and and if they are then they have ADHD I'm not a doctor and I'm not saying that but if anything that I've said is ringing a bell for any of you then um, then, then then jump on DuckDuckGo search engine not Google because they track you and sell your data DuckDuckGo.com is a brilliant search engine that doesn't track your searches and doesn't keep your data but if you if you're a Google slave then go for it but it's worth looking into. That's all I'm saying. It is definitely worth looking into because undiagnosed, like I said, it could have some seriously negative effects. For me, here I am, 48, turn about to turn 49, single. Um, I I would like to be in a relationship. I would like to think that I that uh, that you know the the single life is going to be the way I spend the rest of my life. I honestly don't know. But, you know, it's a journey, isn't it? And you never know, you never know when you're going to meet somebody um, and, um, and they're going to get tired of, of you because you've got ADHD. <laughs> um, uh, you know, all I'm saying is it's, it, it, you know, introspection, looking inside for solutions to problems in your life is so important because so often I've spent so much of my life looking externally, you know, Going from job to job before I became self-employed a few years ago. Going from job to job and th- and and you know and then being in a job for two or three years and going oh god I just can't stand this car and then and and then it just keeps happening and at some point or another you know six or seven jobs in you've got to go well hang on what's the one thing that connects all of those jobs it's me isn't it you know and again I'm not saying that if you keep changing jobs you've got ADHD no I'm not saying that but. Looking within and introspection is so important. Examining yourself, being honest with yourself, speaking to professionals, speaking to counsellors. It is vital for the mental health if you have any kind of problems whatsoever. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm contactable all over the place. If you message or tweet Acid Rain, I will come back to you. If you message or tweet Talking Bollocks podcast, I'll, I'll, podcast, I'll come back to you. If you message or tweet Keith Platt um, at Twitter or on Facebook, I'll come back to you. Um, and if you want to talk at all, I'm here. But I'm not a professional, and the people that you need to speak to are professionals. If anything I've said rings any bells whatsoever. Um, and um, look, I hate to let you in on more than you care to know about me, but this, I just feel, is really important And I just felt if it's something I'm going through and something that I'm exploring and something I'm dealing with, then surely there's people out there who are exactly the same. And there will be some people who, listening to this, will be that light bulb moment that I had with my with my friend on the phone. In fact, look, I'll be honest with you. It was about the effects of uh, I can't be honest with you, actually, because it's. It's not fair on on that person, and uh, and it might have to be edited out. But ultimately, that light bulb moment that I had on the phone with that person when they went adult ADHD, never heard of that, and 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 hopefully this this little chat might be that moment for somebody else. Um, look, um, I hope you're all well. I hope you're all doing fine. And check out, you know, speak to your GP, do some searching, do whatever. If this is if this in any way has helped. I'm I'm just one person listening to this then it's been worth doing 
and and it's been worth 20 minutes of my time and it's been worth 20 minutes of your time listening and I really appreciate you taking the time out to do exactly that and listen so as always people travel safe hope you're all well take care of each other out there and remember talk communication it is the key to life I wish you all the very best see ya <laughs>